Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, everybody? It is the Nick and Matt Show. Except Nick is uh, flying. So Evan's sitting in host seat two. What's up, Evan? I don't look as good, but I'm here in place of Nick. I, I get introduced to the show like two minutes ahead of time, so it's pretty cool. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, Nick was traveling from Virginia up this direction to the snowy land, which we got snow all day up here. I'm sure you did too, Evan, up there in New Hampshire. Yeah, like over a foot. I'm sure you guys did too. No, we're, we're far enough, like an hour and a half south of you. I think we probably got maybe less than half, so... Oh, wow. The hills of Leicester always get some snow. They do, uh, specifically Maple Hill. If Mm -hmm. I sometimes get an inch or two, sometimes you go to Maple Hill and they've got six. It's crazy. And I'm only five, seven minutes away from there. So, yeah. Hey, I I feel that. I've been to Maple too many times where I'm like, "Eh, there's an inch on the ground and you get there. And it's like, nope, we're playing in deep snow. But so Nick was on his way up here, but he got stuck in the airport down in Virginia he said he was hanging out with the foundation boys, which I don't know if that's true or not, but they were flying out, I think per Brody or somebody saying they were going out West. So people in transit are all sitting in the airport. Nick wasn't able to make it because of delays and everything else. So we are going without Nick tonight. We've already got a great live audience. Um, and I'm sure those of you listening in post are great post audience as well. <laughs> we're always excited to have you. Let's start out hot. Casey White League dropped with uh, Pound Disc Golf this week. Said he was on Discraft's signature team. And immediately the, the flags went up. What kind of leak is this? Where's, where's Casey going? Wait, isn't he with Discmania? And I mean, did anybody, did anybody buy it? <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone bought it i mean it, it was kind of confusing but it was signature team and if you know like this craft doesn't have a signature team they have uh elite team and tour team so i was like that what that <laughs> that feels like a mistake just because of that uh and all signs point towards it i think i think casey's staying with this media uh it's still like trickles a little bit enough where you don't know we can start it what's, now what's true and what's not he's taking but, simon's spot on the the Discmania team <laughs> yeah i would put money on that he's staying with this mania all right, so that's kind of a joke. You saw them correct it. They're big apologies. But in today's age of, you know, big, big rumors and leaks, you know, it was kind of exciting for a second there. Um, not not a, I want to say a very well-known name in disc golf. It's been around a long time, but not um, a top 20 player. Um, Nate Perkins. Sometimes you'll see him there, but Nate Perkins announced, um, or did he announce? I think he did. Departure from Discmania. We know he's left Discmania. I don't remember if his announcement came, but that is something that he's now going solo is my understanding. As in like, I don't know that he is signing with anybody. I'm not quite sure, but that's interesting. Um, Cole Rodolin just announced. I don't know if you saw that. DGA. So That's a sneaky good move. I I didn't like Cole signed with infinite disc last year. I guess I didn't know if that was a one-year deal or not. I wasn't even thinking about Cole. Then all of a sudden DGA drops. I'm like DGA, like, Hey, they got Katrina and Andrew Marweed, which we'll get to him later, but uh, two great names. Um, but then the rest of their team kind of lacks that depth and Cole, Hey, he could have a good year this year. Watch out. Yeah. Cole going to DGA. It's funny. People are already making their articles and everything. Hey, the off season's over and all the moves are done. And like, 
no slight to Cole, but like, yeah, under the radar. Um, how about a long time name KJ Naibo? So if you've been around, you've known that he's made a lot of, you know, awesome moves in the sport. Uh, been with Innova, I think the number was 16 years. He just announced uh, this week that he is departing ways with Innova, but a new sponsor is going to be lined up. So we still have another announcement. Now, I don't think people are chomping at the bits that hear where KJ's going, but it could be a, a, a Discmania. I mean, is that weird speculation? European player and uh, leaving Innova, maybe. Yeah, I, I, enough people probably know him as KJEU now or something. I don't know. <laughs> Naiba. Uh, that's a joke, of course. Um, but yeah, it's kind of this interesting trend of players who, you know, they're they're still quality players, but they're past their prime. Uh, getting kind of, um, I'm trying to figure out the right word, but getting a sponsorship deal because uh, like from maybe a smaller company who uh, is trying to make a splash and maybe they can't afford a player in their prime or it's just a, a, their marketing choice. Uh, and so he's he's very well known in that area. I, he's still playing too, he, winning tournaments, uh, whether it's an MPO or an H protected. Uh, so his name is still out there and it could be a really good signing for a future company. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so that is some of the off season as far as still movement goes. I mean, I'm not quite holding my breath for Disc Mania's announcements. And I say announcements because when we had Eagle on two weeks ago, the ace up the sleeve. Now that could be just total marketing. It's going to be a disc drop or some other thing, a big event that they're going to run. But I'm still kind of like, what do you mean? Uh, I texted Eagle. And if you're in here, Eagle, I texted you right after. What does that mean? Silence, crickets. And I was like, all right, it's something. You can't talk about it. And this, after the whole thing with Simon and all, like people are like, no, can't talk anymore, which it's a topic for another time. Are our lips going to start getting way tighter after this offseason compared to next, right? So we'll see. Um, let's go ahead, uh, intern Ben, if you can, line up a phone call. We're going to, so we, we've got live calls that we're going to attempt to continue to incorporate here and we will put it up later as well. We'll put up a phone number that you can text. That's our call screening way. Text your idea, text your topic, text your whatever, uh, not whatever. <laughs> <laughs> text um, semi, whatever. Yeah. Text your interest uh, in disc golf, how to get better, whatever you think of that's disc golf related. We're going to look at it. Intern Ben's going to look at it. Yes. He's going to filter it. it. I'm the intern. He's going to set up the phone calls and then um, we will take the phone calls and we'll incorporate you as much as possible. Um, so we've got that. We've got Paige Shoe on tonight, uh, very soon here, actually in the next 10 minutes. And then later, Isaac Robinson will be joining us. We have a lot to talk about, Evan, um, including, can you give us real quick, Shelly Sharp Memorial. Now, this is just like the warm-up. This is like the slight teaser to the season starting. Yeah, it's not really a, you know, it's not the Elite Series. It's not a Silver Series, but it's out there in Arizona. Can you tell us what happened there? Anything interesting? Yeah, it's at the Vista del Camino course, which a lot of people know because it was one of the courses that would host Memorial, which used to be a national tour and a disc golf pro tour event. Um, but this year, we saw maybe a surprising name for some 
in an open Arizona event being Andrew Marwe take it down an MPO. Uh, and then Jennifer Allen takes it down an FPO, which is a little bit less surprising uh, being from there and dominating that area. Uh, Andrew Marwe, he led the first round by five strokes right away, which is like, whoa, what is going on? If I'm, if I'm being honest, that took me by surprise. A lot of good names in the field in MPO, um, including Adam Hammis, Drew Gibson, Aaron Gossage, Anthony Barella, Kayla Visca, Luke Sampson, who's, currently leading the disc golf pro tour points um a lot of great names and uh are we jumped ahead right away and held on to that lead takes home his victory um or the victory um it's his fifth a-tier win of his career it's only a second win of any tier west of the mississippi river uh, he's from michigan lots of wins in michigan and kind of surrounding midwest area he won the kansas city wide open last year uh which was his first on the western u.s if you're splitting it by the mississippi um and Jennifer Allen won by 23 strokes. Um, <laughs> nice. The There might not be a lot of recognizable names in the um, FBO division in, F, in the field, uh, but there was Maria Oliva, which a lot of people know and is a very good player herself. Unfortunately, got bested by 23 strokes. Uh, Jennifer Allen now has 12 FPO A-tier wins by a 20-plus stroke margin, which is incredible. Okay. Thank you for that warm up. I, I think it's fantastic. People are going to enjoy that. They jump in the Nick and Matt show. They get it in the front side. What happened at the previous weekend's event? Uh, that's what we're going to get get going, guys. Um, if you're new to the show, that's what we do. We started out that way all year. You'll get that. And then hopefully you'll get the relevant interview lined up with a storyline from that weekend. I do want to give one shout out here to I've brought his name up before and he's a fan of the show. Their whole family sits around, listens to our show live often. There it is. That is not a coincidence. As I said the words, uh, Wyatt Mahoney disc golf in the chat says, I'd love to go to Arizona to play. I need a job. Shout out. This was this shout out was coming. This is not planned. So Wyatt Mahoney um, of team disc, uh, not disc mania, dynamic discs. He went down south from New England and he played in Charleston battle in the pines. It's a B tier, a name you would recognize. Um, Jay, oh, why am I messing it up? Jason Hebenheimer. <laughs> That's what it was. J Jason or Jake. He goes by both. Okay. In PDGA's Jason. But yeah, Jake Hebenheimer. Uh, we talk about his putting style, right? That's one of the things we've always done. Yes. And then incredibly good driver. Austin Turner. You recognize the name not so much as of late, more years ago, you did. Both 1,018, 1,023 rated players. Wyatt Mahoney, 13 year old goes down there and gets second place in MPO beating Austin Turner and only two strokes behind Jake Hebenheimer, 13 years old, laying down fire. The sky is the limit for him. Congratulations. Why? I know it's a second place, but that's incredible. So good job to you. Matt, Matt, you and Nick have been talking about Wyatt for a long time. And I'm always like, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. This is the moment where I'm like, this might be the most surprising. I mean, it's maybe not surprising. <laughs> you right word, but most play, notable. Yeah. 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 Most notable. I'm like, okay, this, this kid's for real. He's no longer like a kid playing in a regional MPO <laughs> event. He's beating names. We know and yeah. uh, holding his own with uh Hebenheimer who got to the tour championship play in last year. He's like, yeah. Hebenheimer's not some just random guy who tours anymore. He is legit. He is one of the top 36 players in the world, or at least in the disc golf pro tour, uh, is tour. Yeah. Uh, Representing so, new England. Yeah. If you can hold with him, like at 13 years old, uh, 
bright future and it'll be exciting to watch. And to be clear, he just turned 13. So, I mean, like, he's 13, but he's not like, oh, yeah. I'm about to turn 14, yeah. you know. 12 years and 370 <laughs> yeah. days old, yep. Okay, so um, let's move into, do you got the call lined up in time? I got the call. He's been waiting for a right. decade. So Just kidding. We got to just unmute him here. Yep. Welcome, welcome to the show. I don't think I got a name, but you have a topic for us. Uh, if you're hearing me on a phone call, you are live. All right. Hey, first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I was just an actual question. Did any of the pro players know that they were going to assign points to the European Pro Tour like this? Or did they just do it because of Paul going over there? Okay. So sit tight on that one because you might have a follow up. And, and Evan and I have been invested in this today at a, a fairly good level. Um, if, if I text Paul, Paul's going to say he knew nothing about it. And we saw, we saw that, actually. If you've watched online, Drew Gibson texted him about it. Paul yep. does not acknowledge any awareness of it. And he actually made a joke to say, if I knew about it, and it was kind of, it was kind of a roast. If I knew about it, do you think I'm actually going to partner with him to make them all Silver Series? You know, like, is that what Paul Macbeth's going to do, right? So, like, it, that wouldn't have swayed Paul's decision at all, in my opinion. Um, but secondly, did any of the players know about it? Well, we'll be able to ask two of them tonight, <laughs> but uh, we also, based off of Drew Gibson's answer and his text and his back and forth with Brody Smith, you ha and Brody Smith didn't know about it, you have to believe that none of the players knew about it, but, and there's a big but there, just like with the Simon Lazat leak, there are people who are in the know. It's very possible that there are people who heard about this. Very possible. But unless the pro tour comes out and says, I told X, Y, and Z person, we're never going to know. So my understanding is nobody knew about it. Paul made this decision on his own. We're going to talk about this topic uh, a little bit more. So do you have any follow-ups on that? Not really. It's just a bit of a hot take. I think it's probably a good thing for disc golf, especially European disc golf all around. Do you think you're saying you think that the tour um, make it, being made silver over there is a good thing for the sport? Yes. Or, and or and so. are you saying it's a fire take as in drama? Let's talk about where their inside deals happening. Well, I'm pretty sure we'll find those out. But I just think I think it's good for disc golf, especially European disc golf. And maybe someone can accumulate enough points to make it feasible to come over to the U.S. and play. So. All right. Well, thank you for your call. We're going to actually talk a little bit more about this. So you can drop and listen if you want. But thank you very much for the call. Well, thank you. Okay. So. Evan, I'm going to I'm going to pose this to you in this way. First of all, points. How much do you get for winning in a, a silver series? So they changed it for this year uh, before the wraparound events started uh, and they're bumping up the points to now 50 points for a win okay. for silver events, which it used to be 25 which compared was to an elite series, an elite, which is 100, which points. is 100. So half the point. And it, yeah, it used to be a quarter. Now it's half, uh, but it still only counts your top three. Um, events or top three like most valuable points so uh if you are if you win three events doesn't matter if you win four or five or six right you could play 15 but they're only going to take your best three so i feel like in my mind th this is a bigger situation to talk about we, we have three minutes to do it but here i'm going to give my take you give your take my take is that right now 
the Pro Tour announced. We got the email. I don't know if everyone gets it. Probably if you're a DGN member or DGPT media person, you get it. But they announced broadcasting select 2023 PDGA Euro Tour events. Fantastic. So much disc golf. Seven more events added. They're all be, being Silver Series. That's incredible. It doesn't start getting funny until people start thinking about it. And it crossed my mind. Oh, that's nice. Paul's playing over there. But the difference is when you take that news and you say, wait, there's some, there's always something fishy going on. And you say, well, if that's the case, there's always something fishy going on. Then maybe Paul knew about this, but that's out of thin air, trying to make something out of thin air. That's my take. If the pro tour was doing this um, to favor Paul Macbeth, then it feels a little wrong too. But again, that's kind of pulling it out of thin air. Now, if the pro tour became more aware of the fact that there was opportunities to film and to expand their brand, then they should do that. I do not see it as having to be the pro tour is trying to benefit Paul Macbeth or Paul Macbeth knew and was trying to benefit himself. My final take on that, and I'll pass it over to you, is that the, there's, is he benefited if he knew it? Yes. But if he didn't know it, is there that much of an advantage where people can't change their schedule right now? And go. If they think there's that much of an advantage to playing a Euro Tour event, they can change their schedule and go. In fact, I think you're going to miss an Elite Series if you play all the events over there. So the point is, I think there's enough time. I don't think there's anything sketchy going on there. That's my take. What's yours, Evan? I will say, first off, I don't think any players did know about this. I think I think Paul is truthful in the in screenshotted text message from Drew Gibson, which, to be honest, I thought was fake at first. I thought <laughs> Drew was met- messing with us, but I, maybe it was true. I don't know. And, but uh, many other players uh, uh, replied back to other things or, or wherever else. And we'll ask, like you said, we'll ask two more today. I don't think any of them knew about it. I think the Pro Tour um, came up with this just from the staff. Uh, it may have been recent. It may have been in the, in the works. But I'll tell you this. I think. Paul Macbeth is going over to Europe purely because he wants to play some new events. He likes Kona Peach Day. He probably likes those other events or is interested in them. Wanted to go play in there and grow his brand and Discraft's brand in Europe. Uh, Honestly, he lost the European Open last year. He might have a chip on his shoulder. Hey, I got to get the European market back. They need to know I'm the best. I'm going to go show it to them. Now think about the Pro Tour's point of view. Paul is willing to miss three elite events or four. I don't remember exactly how it is. He's willing to miss that many events to go over and get zero points, lose out on the disc golf pro tours coverage to go play PDGA's Euro tour. If I'm the pro tour, you know, you don't like that. You want to have your most marketable player, which is Paul Macbeth be in your spotlight. So this is a perfect move move for them. They have a player who's very marketable who goes over there. They want to broadcast it to people. Hey, you can watch our U S events, which are still fantastic but you can also watch Paul Macbeth over in Europe and maybe a few other players play there or notable European players. Uh, Now the points thing I think is the biggest question. Uh, Paul was again saying, Hey, I don't care about the points. He's going to finish top eight by the end of the year. No matter what, he's going to get that buy in the pro tour championship. And then it's all equal play. He was giving up the points again, pro tour. I don't think they like that. Not that they hated it or anything. They just, they want to do the best job they can. So. Now he can earn points or any other player can earn points in Europe. I think it's a great strategy overall. It says, hey, if you want to miss out on elite events, again, which are twice as important uh, and much more of them count, you have eight that get counted uh, out of, what is it, like 10 or 11, uh, where silvers, it's three out of, I think there was eight or nine in the US and Canada, and now you have seven more in Europe. So 
most of them are going to get dropped if you play a full schedule. Uh, so I think it was a great move. I think it is a little questionable that it happens a month before the season after the ra- two wraparounds already happened. Can we change the wording like, there? Or are you stuck on that? Questionable is not a word I'm going to go with. Fa- all right, what's, unfortunate. What's your word? Un- unfortunate, because questionable tends sure. to have this spin on it that like there's something going on. Unfortunate it, is like, man, it took them too long. Everyone announced their schedule, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, and and I think kind of my last point is uh, the Pro Tour, young young company. I mean, it started in 2016. We're so new compared to like the NFL, which has been around the 60s, or Major League Baseball, which has been even longer. PGA Tour, uh, not as long as the MLB, but very long. Uh, all way older than 2016. We're still growing and learning as a sport and the pro tour as well. They saw an opportunity to have a series of events over there uh, or uh, events that are already happening, but have points and broadcast of it. Huge opportunity to take advantage of. And I I said one more point going into this, the European pro tour uh, opened up last year, had a live streamed uh, broadcast, definitely wasn't up to disc golf network quality, but you're watching live disc golf and it was good. And it was growing the European scene. Disc golf pro tour is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. European markets big. We want some of that. And the PDGA Euro tour based on players showing up to events was struggling a little bit as of late in the European pro tour jumped on the scene, had really good fields, had good money. Uh, pro tour kind of wants a battle. I mean, in, a, in the kindest way possible, it's good for everyone else uh fans players it's good for everyone it's exciting time i i was just gonna say it's a win for the sport it's a win for the fans i i think yes or no evan that's it we have a a guest in the green room yes or no do you think paul Macbeth would have chose to go over here regardless of points at a silver series or not 100 all right 100 yes Okay, so that was a yes. That was a yes. (laughs) All right, we've got to this point in the show where we're going to bring in a guest. We might talk about that a little more later. It seems like it's interesting. If we have some callers, we'll do that. But we have a guest lined up who I know many of you are excited about. We've got a good live audience going right now. So let's go ahead and bring in world champion uh, Paige Shu. Welcome to the show, Paige. We're happy to have you tonight. Hi, thanks Hi. for having me. Yeah, glad this all worked out. Our, our computer systems are a little weird. We resent the link and there you are. So I'm glad it's working out. Um, yeah. so, so you've been uh, showing up in more social media. You've been showing up in some podcasts. You're winning tournaments. Things are starting to turn on for you for disc golf. Do you feel like they turned off for a while back after you won the world championship? Uh, yeah, definitely. Things slowed down. Um, well, 2019 was pretty full, but towards the end of the year, I got married, so that kept me busy. And then COVID happened, then I had a baby, and everything just like er, came to a screeching halt. So, yeah, I'm okay. excited to be back into it and playing again. So, the last time we saw you at your full, absolute peak, I mean, Worlds was towards the end of the year, and then you said 2019 you're playing, but do you feel like your last peak as Paige Shoe was right around Worlds? Um, I don't. That's tough. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, early 2019. I mean, I won Vegas in 2019. Okay. Yeah, I great was point. Pushing, ba- battling with Katrina. I had a couple wins throughout that year. Had I finished fourth and in key points in 2019. I thought I played really consistent and steady. So I don't know. Those two years were pretty pretty close to the top. They were. Right and I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought back to my memory 2019 Las Vegas Challenge because, and I, I want to know how you felt about that real quick, but. From me watching, I said, that is all I needed. She won the world championships and she just backed it up 
hats off to you. You are an amazing disc golfer. So is that kind of what you felt? I mean, we saw the video in that moment winning Las Vegas. Yeah, no, absolutely. hundred um, percent. Even though some people still do think it's a fluke that I won, no way. but I feel like, yeah, I backed it up and I had a good season and it's just been a few years. People are so disc golfers just have short memories and they just care about the most recent tournament. So, okay. Yeah. Is disc golf in your mind, and I think it is for me, but is disc golf like riding a bike, as they say? Like you took some time off, but like you're starting to warm back up again and you're really starting to feel it, it seems like. Uh, does it feel yeah. like everything's just clicking right back in place? Um, I would say so. You know, I just really didn't play much the last few years just because of my daughter and literally just getting back out there and getting the repetition over and over again. It just came natural and it helps that I've been playing for friggin' 16 years or something like that. So. <laughs> That helps. <laughs> and and to be clear, you have more than one world title in you. What's your junior world title? How how old or what division was that then? So it was 2010. So I think I was 13 or 14. Okay. Um, and it was in the junior girls 16 and under division. Okay. It was the same year Ricky won his junior world title. Oh. And I think Seppo won a world title, <laughs> a junior world title that year too. So you're, you're, you're familiar with the world titles. Do you remember that, by the way? Mm-hmm. Now that I'm interviewing you. My son won a world title last year. I last year now, 2022 in the eight and under. And do you remember that? Cause now I'm just interested in what he's going to think as he grows up. Do you remember that being a thing? You're like, I, I'm a world champion at something like you. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And, uh, you know, at that point I'd been playing disc golf for a long time anyway, and I'd seen the world championships. So like, of course I was anti and so excited to compete and play and, when I won. Yeah, it was super cool. You know, none of my friends at the time were really into disc golf. So to them, it wasn't really a big deal. But to me and my family, it was very exciting. Cool. And uh, Evan, I know the show, the kind of last minute, we had some tech stuff. You're totally welcome to cut in if something stands out to you. Um, So I listened to your other interviews and I wanted to bring an interview to our listeners. We probably have a lot of cross-platform listeners and they're going to be like, I love it. I've listened on both, but I kind of want to expand on some of these topics that I heard on your other interviews. And you talked about, and by the way, for those who don't know, you moved from dynamic discs to Discraft this year. So that was a, Mm -hmm. that was a significant move. Um, Maybe just take a quick minute to talk about that. I mean, you've been with, um, dynamic discs your whole life. Your dad is a a relevant part of that organization, that company. Um, What was that like? Give us the, give us the shorter version or, or the long, whatever's relevant to you about that move. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You know, I've been with DD for so long. You know, I would say 99% of why I switched was I really just wanted to change, wanted something new, you know, kind of a new phase in my career. I felt like there were more opportunities out there for me. I never really tried. I had just always been with dynamic and I just felt like with my dad working for the company and me being there so long, I just got comfortable and like kind of had trouble self-advocating for myself. And I just felt like leaving and reaching out to other people and seeing their interests and having me speak up for myself and be like, hey, I think I'm worth this. Like, love to play again. You know, all these things that helped me grow as a person as well. So um, that was why I wanted to leave DD. But Discraft, it seemed like the best option. You know, they support their players. They have great discs. And they were really excited that I even reached out to them. So it worked out. Okay. You mentioned they support their players. I think in the interview, I heard you talk about Discraft treats their women the best. So what does that mean to you? Oh, I mean, I guess looking at it, it's great that they do treat their women awesome. You know, I'm benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
just the fact that they're willing to treat me awesome, even though I hadn't been playing in a couple years and my relevancy, you know, wasn't super high or anything. Um, it just means a lot. Like they're, you know, they're paying me and they're providing me with an RV to travel with my family. They knew that that was important to me. And just like, I brought up these things and they were like, yeah, sure. Yes, yes, yes. Like so easy. And it just took me getting the nerve to even ask. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's super awesome to be like working with a company that not only does that with me, but like so many other players, especially women. Yeah. I mean, from the, uh, media and outside perspective, Discraft is, is slaying it in a lot of ways. Um, but that stood out to me because I, I know you, you were searching around. It sounds like you had some ideas in your head. Maybe I should ask so-and-so or this company or that company. And you thought to yourself, Discraft, is that the first one you went to? And that was it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I wasn't Boring. too interested in other, <laughs> other companies. When they said they were interested, I'm like, oh, all right. Like now's the time to jump. <laughs> now is the time to jump. Um, so... I mean, with all these leaky leaks, as Simon Lazat has coined it, I'd be so interested in knowing about deals and details, but you're getting an RV. We know that. Um, mm -hmm. But how are they treating it? Like you're a world champion and you've done that within the last four, five years. Like, how are they treating you? Are they treating you like a world champion? Uh, it seems like it. You know, again, I've only been with DD, so seeing like the culture and how they treat players and other I guess the only other company now that I know is Discraft. So how they do it, it's very different. Um, no, but um, I lost my train of thought. What can you tell? Can you can say? you tell me then? Can you tell me because you just led to a great point? Can you tell me what are the differences that you see? Because you said it's very different. What are some of the differences that stand out to you? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, you know, it's hard because with DD, you know, I really wasn't traveling or anything like that the last two years, but this contract um, with Discraft in terms of money, it's kind of a lot. It's some guaranteed money a month, which is super nice, especially now that I have a kid, that's important. Um, but with DD, a lot of it was, um, you know, social media and, um, you know, run events when you can and just kind of do all these other activities. Um, but with Discraft, they really just want you to play. And that's all your focus is on. If you want to do events or post, that's great. But you don't have to. You're still going to get paid. And it seems like they really care about your performance. And um, it's clear who deserves what. Because, like, as you all saw, I'm not on the elite team. There's, like, a certain, like, formula you have to meet to make the elite team. And since right. I haven't toured in the last couple of years, that's why I'm not on the elite team. But it seems like I'm getting treated like the elite team in terms of money and the use of the RV. So, um, and, and the opportunity to move up to the elite team is obviously there if I have a good season. So those are some of the like big differences. So if you have a sick season and they're going back to smugs and you win a world championship, does that <laughs> put you in the criteria to meet their elite team? Do you know? <laughs> um, I would assume so. <laughs> I would assume so. <laughs> I would assume so. <laughs> Hopefully. We'll all chant for it if that's no, I'm kidding. But that's that's awesome. Uh so you mentioned something else that you're reinventing, uh, I think is the word you used yourself. Um, I don't know, maybe that's exaggerating it, but besides changing your sponsor, I'm sure you have more in your head about what this means. Like all of this change, you're talking about reinventing yourself. What goes into that besides just a sponsor change? Yeah, um, I think priorities, you know, now that I have a family and I have a child, it's tour life is going to look very different. And, um, 
you know, I, as y'all y'all can see from the outside, the tour life is a struggle, like people playing week in and week out. And it's like, your value is almost like in your play. So if you suck for a weekend, you're like, dang, I'm like the crappiest person ever. I hate my zoo. <laughs> you know, it can, <laughs> it can t- turn that kind of dark. And especially when I was younger, which was a few years ago, you know, my mm-hmm. early 20s, 26 now. So um, the fact that I have other things outside that, I, you know, I'm realizing and more important and then you know taking a break I'm not playing every single elite series I'm playing a couple here a couple there alternating with my husband Grady so I think also like being able to reset and not be worried about oh I got to play well this tournament this tournament it's just I don't know it's just like a different less pressure and then also you know the saying you don't know what you got till it's gone you know the last two years I've loved raising my daughter and it's like the best experience ever and kids are awesome but um you know I miss disc golf and now that it's I'm able to do it again it's like okay like it's it's a lot less crap I have to play well like I have so many expectations it's like man I'm so happy to be here pursuing disc golf as a career and also spending time with my beautiful daughter and my husband and I just feel like all these different parts are going to flourish and yeah it's just a new chapter you know it was disc golf and then it was just being a mom at home and now it's a combination of both and two of my favorite things so that's that's kind of like what my focus is on this year okay and, and disc golf you know this it's at a different place than it was when you won your world championship i mean yeah you probably experienced a lot of benefit of social media follower engagement everything and maybe you kind of feel like you might have missed the boat a little had you won your world title right in the pandemic (laughs) i bet it would have been even a larger explosion for you um but that's great to hear i mean that is fantastic that that this is now the lack of pressure for you and and touring so you mentioned i think i heard 70 percent is maybe the number you threw out there you're, you're going to be mm-hmm. touring and playing um do you think this idea of having to hit and grind every single event is something that maybe you used to do but now you just don't have to anymore it's a different disc golf is different now um yes i would agree with that but if i didn't have a family and i was still just like just a competing disc golfer, I would still try okay. to go hard and hit every single event. I mean, why not give yourself as many opportunities to win the place well to cash. So if, <laughs> if I was a family list, you know, I'd probably still hit the grind. And I, it's crazy. There's like more tournaments now than there mm. was when I was playing and all these people are still playing every single one. I'm like, dang, that's a lot. So let me follow up that then and say on a scale of one to 10, one being not competitive at all, 10 being a highly competitive person, where do you rank yourself? And this is not just disc golf. This is just you as a person, one to 10. <laughs> I'm up there. I would say eight, eight, eight or nine. Okay, you it's can go close. half numbers, eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> eight and a half. I, I rage when I suck at things. Usually disc golf, it's a little different, but like ping pong, I love playing and I'm super competitive. I mean, putting games out in the backyard, any kind of games. I'm like, oh, let's go. <laughs> All right. So if you come through the MVP open at the um, playoff, have you ever gotten a chance to play ping pong up there in the barn? You know, I have been to Maple Hill so many times and I don't think I've ever played. I've okay. definitely watched a couple games, but I, I haven't played myself. All right. It's because you didn't want to rage and go into your round. <laughs> That's <laughs> yes. awesome. Yeah. Ping pong's a blast. Um, so fun. Evan, you got anything? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned <laughs> uh, MVP Open. You haven't been there for a couple of years. In the last two years, you've only played uh, Dynamic Disc Open, Idlewild, and Ledgestone. What mm-hmm. event on tour that you used to play are you most excited to get back to? 
Ooh, definitely Smugs. I mean, it's nice that Worlds is there, but um, I'm so excited to play those courses again and be up in the area in that time of year when it's cool in the mornings and nice and sunny and just so many awesome memories there. So I'm excited to go play the course again, especially with different discs and like a different approach mentally. And yeah, that's the one I'm looking forward to. I, I almost feel like that was too easy. That's that's my bad. Uh, <laughs> can you give me a number two then? <laughs> number two. Oh, man. I, I want to make you think a little bit at least. I know. Waco probably. Waco is an awesome course. And then in 2019, me and Katrina were battling out, battling it out. And we were tied for first going into the final round. And I had won an NT Las Vegas and I hadn't won a pro tour yet. And I was like, all right, this is my weekend. Let's go. And Katrina ended up beating me that round and that loss like still haunts me to this day. If I'm being honest, like it hurt my heart. So I just want to go back and play. And you know, that course is like the winners are always unique. You know, it's kind of like just something special about that place. So, you know, there's one to win might as well be that one because it's like so many different types of players can win that one so i'm excited to hit that track again the beast is super fun all right i don't know if you heard any snickering but we have an intern producer here hello hello (laughs) he thought something you said was funny ben do you care to tell us what that was Uh, you don't even remember sorry did not mean to do that (laughs) I meant to do this. <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny how you said it still haunts you to this day. Um, okay. It's sad. But well, you don't think it, yeah, you don't think it's funny that it haunts her. You no, it was, funny, it, it was funny how she said it. It's still, I'm not going to lie, it still haunts me to this day. <laughs> I heard I know snicker. I'm dramatic. <laughs> that's, that's where the eight and a half competitiveness comes from. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I, I'm sorry I brought you in. I mean, I'm not sorry I brought you in. It's okay. I just heard snickering, and I'm off camera, and everyone thinks I'm laughing at her. So I I'm to... a snicker, guys. I'm sorry if you hear my, my laugh. I just <laughs> laugh at everything. Okay. Ever. So, touring with... And do you say touring or touring? Like, I don't know. Nick says something different than I do. What do you say? Touring. Touring. Okay, you do. Touring. <laughs> touring. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's probably weird people, like, know a lot about you, but, like, did you... You grew up out in Minnesota or family or... I don't know. Where'd you grow up? Midwest? Uh, yeah, I grew up in Denver, Colorado. Uh, okay. Aurora, a suburb of Denver. Um, yeah, that's where I learned to play disc golf, and then I moved to Kansas for college. So, so the reason Colorado I said Minnesota from. was the Viking. I think your dad's a big Vikings guy, right? Like, football. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Just putting everything <laughs> together. So I was trying to figure out... Tour- you say touring, I say touring. What, what does the chat do? I don't know. But you're touring. I'll say it your way. You're touring <laughs> with your family in an RV. Uh, have you ever done that before? Your daughter, Savannah... Um, have you guys mm-hmm. ever done that like long-term in an RV before? Nope. So this will be brand new, but, um, the way we're doing it is we're doing it a few like stints at a time of no more than three weeks. So we'll do three tournaments out, come back home later, do three tournaments, you know, play local stuff, leave the baby with, um, Grady's family. So we're not going to be like full, full doing it for months at a time. Um, we're definitely trying to just figure out how it's going to go kind of tiptoeing and making sure that, you know, we're not getting in over our heads and that it Savannah doesn't hate it and is absolutely miserable. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, are you watching like YouTube vlogs and stuff on people traveling or you just, you've known, you know, enough people you can ask and get insights, but not a lot of them have a kid traveling with them. Yeah, no, I definitely have YouTube a lot of stuff and there's okay. really not that much out there. Surprisingly, <laughs> like, you know, RV with a toddler. So I feel like that's a, an audience I could maybe yes. you know, reach to. <laughs> Yeah, because you need more to do while you're on the road, I'm sure. Well, maybe, maybe during the drives. Um, so 
what is it? You just, you brought up, you know, your family, Grady, all that. You're both hitting the road. You're going to compete different ways, but I'm interested. So husband to my wife, I have four boys. He, he's got a daughter and he has you as his wife. What is it like for him seeing, as he told you, like seeing you getting a lot of, I'll use the word, the shine lately. Like you're getting the interviews, you're getting a lot of attention. Like he must be proud, but like, what, what does he say? He's like, look at you. <laughs> no, he is proud and he's so supportive and um, he's excited for me. He knows how much I've wanted this and um, it took a lot of time for him and I to figure out what the future was going to look like. And so we finally settled and he's supporting my dreams. I'm supporting his dreams. We both are just jumping in and, you know, we both want this. So he's, we're, he's awesome. He's my number one supporter. Awesome. And, and it's weird to ask a question about him without asking him the question, but what are his dreams that you're supporting? Is it disc golf? <laughs> yes, disc golf. Um, you know, if it was up to me, I'd be playing every single event. If it was up to him, he'd be playing every okay. single event. So, you know, compromise is what marriage is all about pretty much. So that's the plan <laughs> for now. And, you Let's know, go. down the road, <laughs> down the road, he has a great season. And, you know, with the money in disc golf now, like, if he gets a good offer, I mean, I don't mind taking a step back and spending more time with Savannah, letting him tour full time. And, but who, I mean, we don't know what the future looks like. So right now we just got this year planned and we're excited to see where it takes us. Okay. Dream scenario though. Dream scenario. We don't know where it's going to go. And maybe you're not someone who likes to look off, but perfect world. Are you guys touring for the next 10 years and like, or whether you're touring in an RV, but like disc golf is your future forever. Like, is that your goal? That's a tough question. Is that what you would yes. want it to be? <laughs> yes. But I, I do think that having children is, I just feel like it's, it's not as possible as I would like it to be, but who knows? Who knows? But I, the perfect dream. Yeah. Grady and I both win everything and we both keep playing and we can just take Savannah with us everywhere. And it's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right off into the sunshine hitting putts. Yeah. All right. Yes. Cool. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, what do you got? I, I got, yeah, I got another one. Um, so what, like, what are your goals for this year? Are you someone who is a little bit, um, like, I just want to play well and have a good weekend and improve? Or are you like, I need to get a win this year. My goal is to win all the time, no matter what I'm doing, <laughs> or in between. You're right. Um, in between. I mean, it's so hard because I, you know, I have won in the past multiple times, so I'm like. It, I, it's there you know but will it happen I, I don't know so in my heart in my heart of hearts I'm like I'd love to get another elite series win whether that's a pro tour or major and I, I do think I have it in me but um, I'm also not getting my hopes up too high and you know I think I can have a decent season um, I mean just being consistently in top 10 seems pretty doable but I don't know those are the two that are kind of in my mind like consistently top 10 and hopefully coming out with the win but not getting my hopes up. Okay. Well, you are a very, I don't know. The chat's chat's really loving it. A lot of people are saying oh. you're one of their favorite players. Um, I Thank love you. watching you play out there. It's been a pleasure to watch you play out there. I think you're exciting. You personify what disc golf mm. should be, I believe, and you do it well. Um, no pressure. Oh. I'm sure you, you know, ever when you became a world champion, this will be my last question. When you became a world <laughs> champion, did you feel any different level of like, oh, wow. Like I got to be the ambassador for the sport that like I haven't been like, did you feel any different pressure? 
No, actually, I didn't until like the last week before Worlds. I wrote out a social media post and I was like, you know, I kind of like as the world champion was representing women's disc golf in the top, like at the very top level. And that literally didn't hit me until I was literally writing that post like a week before the 2019 world mm. championships. Um, but no, I didn't. I didn't think about it, you know, just keep playing disc golf and try to win and have fun and keep doing what I've been doing for the last million years, it seems like. Right. And I think that just speaks volumes and it should to our listening audience as well that like you were the right person. <laughs> it was, it, oh. I'm someone, by the way, I'm someone who was quoted on this show early on in the years of our show as saying a fluke when somebody won. There were times where I would say it. I, I believe, Evan, you might have been here. I never said that was a fluke. So congratulations. And it wouldn't have mattered had I said it was a fluke, but that's not something I've done. But now I can put Evan on the spot. One of our recent shows. He's look, he's sweating bullets he's right sweating. now. Here, put two up on us or three up. Go three up or four up. Four up. Yeah, it's four up. Okay, here we all are. Evan, we when we heard about Paige Shoe making a comeback, if you will. Is that what you're calling it, Paige? A comeback? Uh, yes, I guess. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> when we heard this comeback, we were talking. We'll have to go find this episode and we'll have to replay it. We were like, hey, how do we think she's going to do? And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I put you in like the possibility of like top five, like at the end of the year. Like that's kind of my mindset. Now, Evan, you can wipe <laughs> the sweat off your face. I don't remember what he was saying. But I think it was like, absolutely no. <laughs> I don't think it was absolutely no. I, I'll, I'll be honest, Paige, if you finish top five, it will surprise me, but I think you can no, do it. You have to do a bet. You I, have to do a punishment. Okay. Oh sure. You have to. I am. If I ever have a hot take, I'm rooting for people to prove me wrong. Okay. I will always say that. I I just think the the women's field has gotten so, so, so good. And it'll be an accomplishment uh, to be top five with how many great, fantastic players are in there. Uh, I didn't say you couldn't be number six. I will say that. <laughs> I, Where, okay. I said last question, but this will be the, the wrap up. You can respond to that, but also like, where do you see yourself finishing? Like, if you had to pick a number, like, you've probably thought it out. You mean, like, by the end of the sure. year? Sure, like, yeah. By the end of the year, like, do you see yourself, like, in a top list? Like, where do you see yourself? Like, as the potential. You don't know. You can't read the future. Like, where do you see your potential? I mean, I feel like top eight okay. isn't too crazy. Let's go. So you, but okay. That seems doable. There you go, Evan. You guys actually might be thinking similar. but. I, we root I, for better. I, I like top eight. I think that's a good one. It's a, okay. Five's an arbitrary number um, <laughs> that people put to kind of have be the, the, the top, but I think top eight is doable. There's also a lot of great players in the top eight, yeah. but I like it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Did we miss anything you want to talk about? Shout out any new relevant sponsors to you. You don't have to, but the floor is yours before we let you go. Yeah, no, definitely. It's so exciting with uh, Dynamic. I couldn't really have tons of outside sponsors. So with Discraft, they're like, yeah, do whatever you want. So okay. I'll start with my list. So Discraft, obviously, all, you know, super supportive. And um, Bob Julio is like the coolest guy ever. So that's awesome. Um, Squatch bags are the best bags on the market. Um, drive bags for hands. I got Putt Confidently, the new champ cap tool that kind of helps you dial in your putting. They've been really awesome. Heiser Die, shout out to Amy Lewis in Oregon. 
And I think that's it for now. So yeah, thank y'all for watching and I appreciate the support and I can't wait for the season to start. Absolutely. We look forward to you coming through our neck of the woods. And if we're out there at any events, we'll come and say hi. So thanks. Thanks for coming on the show and have a good evening. Spend it with your family. Congratulations. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one. Peace out. All right, everybody. Paige Shu. That is the first time she's ever been on our show. Uh, Even post worlds. Well, wait, 2018. Were we a show then? No, we weren't. Yeah, you, you weren't a show then. So that's why you got the pass to not be able to say it was fluky. It's because you didn't have a show. True. As I was <laughs> thinking you, through it, I was like, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have said it anyways. That was I mean, winning world like you can't call worlds fluky. You just can't. Uh no. if, if worlds was like if you played two rounds and three rounds got rained out or canceled or something, like maybe you argue it then. But before we go four, to our months. next guest, Isaac, before we do that, though, you brought up you just brought up something. Can you call it fluky? That's a whole nother topic because I'll just give you one take. I don't remember the year. But do you remember Sarah Hokum? And do you remember a car accident? Yeah, what was that was like 2014, 2015? Yeah, something like that. Like um, last round advantage lead, yeah. car accident, gets stroked, penalized, all the whole nine yards. It I think it was win. an eleven stroke. It was the largest comeback in major history, I believe. Who? Uh, and and yeah, Sarah Hookham was leading, got into a car crash on the way to the mm-hmm. event, uh, made it late, had to get par plus four for a few holes, mm-hmm. um, and ended up losing. I think only by like one or two strokes. Yeah. It, it was pretty close. Page. Page Pierce. Okay. So Page has a world title that in Page. I say what I say that I don't know if I'd call it fluky, but people like to give asterisks to things. It's all within the rules. So there shouldn't like the asterisk would be like totally deserved it. Absolutely. Within the rules. But everyone knows it's like, ah, like what could have been like, how do you think Sarah feels about that? (laughs) I think it hurts. It hurts Sarah more than anyone. I mean, it's, she still has a world title, so yes, it, I'm, it doesn't make it sting any less. But as far <laughs> as legacy goes, like she won a world title, she has several major uh, titles. Um, you know, it it it. I would call it unfortunate, not fluky. Okay. Oh, look, we we went back to the same set of words. Unfortunate. Is, is that what is it's, that what you said earlier? It's questionable. The, no, <laughs> but questionable, yeah, that's what I said earlier. Yeah. So we kind of like that word. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, I yeah, go I ahead. just want to say yeah. this and. I am happy to get proved wrong, uh, but top six right now, Kristen Tatar, Katrina Allen, Paige Pierce, Missy Gannon, Owen Scoggins, Valerie, Valerie Mandohana. Yeah, I know. That is a tough top I six. Know. Now, now, hey, uh, three of those have never won a world championship, and Paige Shu has. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad Paige Shu uh, uh, proved you wrong, but her 2019 to, uh, to I'll say 2020, um, was very good until she uh, got married and kind of stopped touring and probably you know wasn't able to practice as much, have a kid. It, tons of top fives, podiums, and whatnot. Um, in just 2019 and 2020, I had it real quick, 17 top 10s in elite series and majors. To be clear. Just 2019 and 20. I didn't have it in my mindset that yes 2019 was good but my question wasn't so much like is that all you did was win a world championship it was more the question was supposed to be posed off of was that like the peak was that like the best that we've ever seen you and 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 it should have been an obvious yes but i wanted to just to hear like yeah like i see see where you're going now yeah but but when she said that i was like dang 
Yeah, I should have I should have really said, and then you won these and these, but I'm glad she did. I can remember the thrilling feeling of that playoff and Las Vegas challenge with her going to a playoff and winning with a great putt. The excitement, I was like, man, nailing the coffin. Like, that was awesome. So, yeah, glad she came on. That was a great interview. Uh, good follow-ups by us, or by you, I should say, afterwards. This is great, and thanks for the input, Ben. You're welcome. I got to say this. Savannah Shue, fantastic name. I hope she mm. wins a junior world title in the next, I guess, like, 15, 16, 17 years. Um, that'd be really cool. And eventually a world title as well. But Savannah Shoe, future amazing disc golf. That's where I, that's where I was gonna go. I was gonna ask her if she's gonna do some family vlogs. I feel like that's pretty cool. I feel like no one really tours with their family. <laughs> she said that, but then I'm like, yeah, it's a lot more work than you realize. Ask Simon Lazat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but okay. Um, our next guest sitting in the green room. I believe I could quote him, but I, I'm just going to say it's a, it's, a loose para, it's a loose paraphrase of what I heard him say. Favorite Gannon Burr vlog moment was in studio with the Nick and Matt show. Wow. But it wasn't like a live interview. It was a vlog production by Alden Harris vlog. So you got to check that out on YouTube and find that one. But Let's bring him in. Let's ask him about that, if that's true. Uh, Isaac Robinson, everybody. Welcome to the show. We give him the cool What's music. Up, Whoa. I didn't even know this was a thing. Bro, this is like, <laughs> this song is called Cool Guy. That's him. <laughs> Let's go. Goodness. This is electric, man. I love this. You like that? Yeah. All right. Welcome to the show, Isaac. Is it true what I just said? Uh, yes. Yes, I would have to agree with that. <laughs> what was it was funny right i mean is that or i mean you obviously you knew our show you've been interviewed on it but then you were here and then it was just it was a great moment right you liked that it was fun yes i don't think i've laughed more um <laughs> in a long time that was it was supposed to be like a little 10 minute <laughs> skit video and it turned i think we were there for like over an hour yeah just filming. it was, it was so much fun yeah <laughs> You guys yes. are like, I, I hate to say college kids, because I think you're not in college anymore. And Gannon maybe is not going to ever go to college. But you guys are college kids. <laughs> it's like 1130 p.m. You're like, where's the pizza? Let's go. And I'm like, bro, I'm 37. I know it's not that old, but I got four boys and a wife and I work in the morning. That was a late night. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. In fact, when you guys come through town, it's a pleasure. Like, it's fun to be able to hang out and say hi. So. And intern Ben's here. That was the one who was trying to help you out. There he is. Oop, he's got his green screen. I made going. the cut. Yep. Oh, Ben's favorite moment of his <laughs> life. I, I will say Gannon Burr imitating me, uh, A plus moment. Like that that <laughs> defines my career right there as a non player. You gotta give us the uh, right give it to us, Evan. Hey, Put your face hey, to the camera. He do it. did not win a major until he imitated Kearns, me. Do so. it. Ooh, that's come on. my that's setup is not like that's so hard for me to do here uh just how the setup is all right thanks guys for doing it go to four up nice. go to four up and this will be more whoa why are you sitting so low oh I, it's because i just knocked the camera with my hat doing that thing all right there we go for anybody that's curious why this has become so casual to have an interview with isaac I don't have an answer for you. So let's just roll. <laughs> it's like, it's just turned into its thing. People are like, is this how they do all their interviews? The answer is no. Go check out 120 episodes before something about Isaac. Let's get into it though. Right. We, I don't think we've ever even introduced a guest with music like that. That, that was awesome. That, okay. that made me feel some type of way. It's a good, a good way. 
That's an exclusive for you, Isaac. So let me get the first question. Awesome. You, I'm laughing, thinking through even the vlogs that Alden did. Like, you've missed a lot of close putts. You hit a lot of massive putts. Is, like, disc golf in general is a strength of yours. But when you look at it, how great do you feel about, like, the strength of your putting game? Where do you rank it? As higher than something else? Or, like, what do you think? I think, yeah, at this point in my game, it's definitely um some of the i would have to say the top top skill that i have um just the like when i step up to a putt whether i've thrown a bad shot or a good shot or, or you know if i'm close or i'm far away there's just a confidence um uh, and there's like i just know it's going to give it a bid i know it's going to be close and you know there's that confidence going to the putting green um you know with the practice that i put in the the putt that's coming i mean there's a lot of great putts you, in fact we're going to talk about last year's season i mean that's we're going into this year but i want to talk a little bit about last year so we can get hyped this year uh a putting moment to me that just made me be like i love sports like you're one of those moments for me is uh smuggler's notch the rainy round uh hole number one yep. you like back to back with ricky like what just happened there? Like, what was the mindset? Yeah, it was. I don't know, because I, I, if I recall correctly, that putt was for double bogey. I believe. <laughs> <What>? um, <laughs> you probably was, recall correctly, but like the moment of yeah. like, can it happen twice? Kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was definitely, um, you know, seeing Ricky make that putt in the pouring rain, and it was like, well. You know, I kind of need this putt. I don't want to take a triple on the first hole. Um, so I just kind of tossed it up there and, it, you know, went in and it made for a great moment. Um, yeah. That was probably one of the highlights of that round for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good highlight. Taking a double <laughs> bogey is always great when you hit a big putt. Um, but I'm thinking of others. Let's go back to, and Evan, you're going to have to back me up here. Uh, was it Portland Open? Where? Yeah, it was Portland Open. You. That was kind of, to me kind of a breakout event for you do you feel that way absolutely yeah 100 percent. Okay. okay and i'll we just talked about you were sitting in the green room you probably heard us talking about fluky and all that and i'm like ah and i'm gonna throw my brother my brother listens to most every episode <laughs> here we had a dgn show and we had to go around mm -hmm. and say isaac robinson is that a name we're gonna hear about again and remember Maybe I'm paraphrasing wrong. <laughs> My brother's going to roast me. Like, that was not right. I'm throwing everyone <laughs> under the bus. You can do that to me too, guys. Remember, you can do that to me too. But he said something like, no. And I was like, uh, maybe, but probably not. I think your appearance seemed to come pretty quickly. Like it was like kind of like almost out of nowhere that it seemed like that might be the case. Did mm -hmm. you feel that way? Like, or were you like, no, people don't know what's coming. Yeah, I think going into Portland, I, you know, I didn't expect to play that well. Um, but then when I ended up playing that well and being on lead card for three rounds, um, it just kind of it was like a launching point to the rest of the year. Uh, just the confidence and the, you know, I know I had the ability to play well. Um, and so it kind of just led me to that point of like, I can confidently, I'm used to it. You know, I'm going to do it the rest of the year. Um, so, yeah. So. Okay, use the word kind of, I think you used the word surprise there uh, at Portland. So you didn't feel like you had aces in your pockets going to that event. You're like, people just have no clue how good I'm going to be. You, you surprised yourself. 
a little bit yeah to some extent you know okay. i i kind of went in there with the mindset of playing my own game uh and just playing as good as i could possibly play um, okay and it, and it worked out <laughs> and it did so then did you kind of in my head i'm kind of imagining this is maybe a bad example but like a superhero discovering their superhero talent right they're <laughs> like was that an accident like that i just lifted that car right and then they're like <laughs> The next time they do it, they're like, bro, like, this is not an accident. Like, I'm actually able to do this. Like, did that ever happen for you at any point? Did you have those questions? You're like, is this for real? Like, did that happen during last year? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, after Portland, I was like, well, you know, you guys use the word fluky. I was like, well, is that, you know, is that a one-time thing? Um, <laughs> and then I made, I think it was lead card at the preserve. Um, I was like, okay. I was like, I can get used to this. It's kind of nice. Let's go. Okay. So. so yeah go ahead evan so if you if you pulled an average fan and it said and they said or, and you asked them uh what type of course is isaac robinson best at i feel like people would say a woods course mm -hmm. uh i mean coming from georgia and i mean getting Idlewild win um mm -hmm. but i look at worlds you finish 14th you mentioned preserve you finish 16th and then your last three usdgcs are 15th 8th and 6th last year mm -hmm. uh so a, a ton of incredible good finish at, I'm going to say not wooded courses. I don't think that's a stretch. Uh, what would you say to that? Are you good at all types of courses? Do you feel like you have a strength? Uh, and then part two is what is it about USDGC that you play so well at? Yeah. So I think um, I, d I really do enjoy wooded courses. First off, um, I think I do have um, a skill set for wooded courses um, and kind of going along with that is a skill set for just accuracy in general. Um, so the USDGC, where there's a lot of tight OB, um, and then the preserve, you know, it's kind of wooded, kind of open, good mix, um, but there's tight lines that you have to hit um, and places you have to land. And so I see one of the skill sets that I have is, it's certainly not distance. <laughs> um, so I try to be as accurate as possible. Um, and so that translates well into courses with woods and then courses with a lot of ob where i can play smart play safe and stay in bounds so do you think a lot of pro tour courses are more about accuracy with ob than they are just pure distance do you feel like there are courses that are just pure distance where you don't think you can compete as much yeah and i think if you look at my finishes last year d glow was just terrible um and that's that's one you need a lot of distance um ledgestone you know even though northwoods black is pretty wooded um lake eureka it helps to have distance um and i played pretty bad there um and then maple hill as well even though it's a very wooded course i feel like it's kind of it lends itself more to distance players on a lot of those longer holes so yeah so yeah i think i'm not very good at those you know those three deglo and mvp specifically and then do you think there's any courses or events that make putting shine? Like putting is the most important skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, I just love putting in the woods. I don't know. I don't know what's about. I don't know if the trees just create this tunnel um, where I can just focus on the basket. I don't know if there's less wind, um, but something about putting in the woods. So Smuggler's Notch, Idlewild, um, a couple of different if you courses change on tour. Sorry, Evan. You're you're holding it down for us awesomely. We're trying to do a little bit on the back end. Keep going. Keep going. All right. Well, that's cool. That I 
I just want to, I think Champions Cup, I'm just speaking off memory here. I think Champions Cup had some of the highest putting percentages on tour in the year. And it's a really interesting thing uh, about the green. You might have more trees that obstruct your stance, but whether it's uh, less elevation, less elevated baskets or less wind. Um, I do think that's really interesting. Um, well, you mentioned a few events that you might not have uh, shined the best at. What event do you think that you you maybe finished outside the top 30, let's say, uh, are you feeling most confident for next year to bounce back and have a really good finish? I think MVP, uh, you know, Maple Hill, uh, that's one I, I really want revenge on because uh, I feel like I can do well at that course. I just didn't. I remember the weather being a little uh, a little sketchy th- this past year. And Absolutely it was towards the end sketchy. of the season. <laughs> yeah, you're not <laughs> yeah. lying. Yep. So it was towards the end of the season, bad weather, you know, kind of mentally checked out a little bit. Um, but I'm coming back for that course. I'm going to get revenge. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I also just noticed this trend right now. So maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something. Uh, we can kind of unpack it. Um, out of a lot of your good finishes this year, were followed up by maybe a, a subpar performance. Uh, at mm-hmm. Waco, you finished fifth, followed up by 45th at uh, Music City Open. Uh, you got third at Portland Open, followed up by 36th at Beaver State Fling. One Idlewild, followed up by 42nd at D-Glow. Uh, and then second at GMC, followed up by 30th at MVP Open. Those are just tour events, uh, to be clear. Uh, is, is there any kind of trend to that, or is it just based on how the schedule goes and events and whatever else? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> I think... It definitely could be um, some of the schedule, but also I think um, specifically after the win at Idlewild, I got super excited and super, not nervous, but I kind of, I don't know, kind of expected just to play well all the time. And I took it for granted um, and I kind of lost focus a little bit, um, you know, at D-Glow and, and, you know, whenever I finish well, that's something I'm going to work on this year is, is just keeping that composure all through whether I'm playing good or bad and not get excited or overconfident going into the next event. Um, but that was something I learned this year that, that I made the mistake of doing. Okay. So and I'm well, back. I'm in... back by the way, Evan, but okay. keep going, keep going. But, I'm just, yeah, I, get, you know. I got another one. And go, then, and then you can go. jump me off. I'm on a roll apparently. Yeah, you're on a roll. Uh, let's talk about what your off season has looked like. Have you been in Georgia all off season? Have you been traveling around the uh, Southeast or wherever? And then what's your kind of uh, schedule within that? Are you uh, doing a lot of field work, a lot of putting practice, a little bit of everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've stayed, um, stayed in Georgia for the most part. I went down, uh, played Myrtle beach um, up in South Carolina and then a tournament down in Savannah, but staying pretty local, um, doing a lot of field work, a lot of putting, uh, especially the past couple of weeks, um, I kind of took a little bit of a break and then I realized, oh, the season's about to start. I got to <laughs> jump back on uh, the training schedule. So working out, um, practice putting, field work, kind of rebuilding my bag for next year. Got some new discs, trying them out. So, yeah, a lot of practice, a lot of putting, um, just getting ready for the season. How right. many putts do you think you practice a day the last one matt if you want to jump in after. more than ben kenny <laughs> let's see oh man probably two to three hundred at least <laughs> let's go <laughs> from the same distance are you moving around different feet different heights between I don't know. 15 and 25 usually 
So yeah, on the putting on the putting topic, is it just more wrists or more fingers? Like I can't figure out my putt. <laughs> what are you doing? What Don't you tell doing? them because it's my only enjoyment of playing with them. <laughs> I, I, I shank my putts. I'm bad. All right, Ben, we're gonna let you ask that one question. Go ahead. Thank you. Isaac, what do you think from your perspective? I think for me it's more wrist. Um just getting that that pop, that snap, and that that consistent release point. Uh, it's very important. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. My question to you is in relation to the, I don't want to call it disturbance that happened today in the disc golf world, but like Reddit and Twitter. Did you see any, did you see any like back and forth about pro tours announcement? Or do you stay away? Was from it, that? was it the European tour? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I saw a little bit of that. Was that your first um, what's the right word there? The first time you heard about that, that the European tour would be available as silver series. I did. Yes. Uh, that was the first I'd ever heard of it. Uh, it was this afternoon, I believe. Okay. So there's an answer to the question that some were asking if touring players, um, were aware of that news prior to today. And the answer is no. So unless you want to believe that others have special treatment, then you can do that, but there's no evidence for that. So cool. Well, we're not bringing you a conversation right now. I was just curious. <laughs> um, you are currently, um, I'm interested stat Mando uh, ranking system. Do you guys have what's called a world ranking system or is it just tour rankings? How do you list that Evan? Uh, we list official rankings, official rankings. So yeah. It. Do you need a link to it? Well, you can no. You can just tell me where they place him. Uh, Udisc rankings place you at eleventh in the world. Like those questions I was asking earlier, kind of leading up towards the journey that you've taken to get here. Almost from like, quite frankly, not a name that people knew, to within like a good solid year's time. You're ranked eleventh in the world. You're at the Tour Championship. You're playing extremely good where now I, from my perspective, you've made such a solid performance effort that you have to believe that you're not an underdog. Okay. Maybe against like, no, not against anybody. You're not an underdog. Do you, do you feel that way? I think I'm beginning to get kind of used to that feeling um, at this, you know, like we touched on the start of the season, but like kind of have some, having something to prove kind of, coming out, starting hot, um, and then learning how to deal with, yeah, maybe I do belong in the top 10, you know, and how do, how do I keep that up consistently? Um, it's been, a, it's taken kind of like a mental shift for me um, to kind of get there. And I'm not, and I'm not there yet. I still, you know, still getting used to that idea. Well, so, yeah, I'll, I'll hop in and pull up the Stabando official rankings and we have you at uh, seventh, actually. No, Interesting better. enough, you just, you just moved up this week because we we have point degradation uh, and over time, uh, you know, points lose value and depending on how okay. recent the events were. Uh, but you just passed Kyle Klein, um, who he, he won Idlewild in 2021, right? So uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, but it it also does value what events you you played. Uh, so players mm -hmm. like Eagle, excuse me, can't say that word. Eagle McMahon uh, played fewer events. He dropped down to 12th because of that. So mm -hmm. I, there might be people who argue that he should be, you know, up there as well, but take it, take it what it is. All right. 
So that, I mean, again, that just helped drive home my point. And uh, in turn, Ben's distracted because. Yes, very distracted. Let's do it. Let's just go five up real quick. Yeah. Oh, whoa. <laughs> How'd he get in here? Well, welcome to the show, Gannon. What? <laughs> Surprise. Oh, this we can't is, even hear him, though. Was, oh. I'm, this you got to unmute him. Not man. expecting. No, oh, he's muted. He's not. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's muted on the, uh, hold on, give me a sec. No, he's not. That's not. We should still hear Start him. Start talking, Gannon. No. It's not coming through at all. So what? He, he, this it's is good though, right, way. Isaac? This is good. Like he doesn't need to talk. <laughs> this is great. He can just sit we there. Can have public reaction is always good. <laughs> um, ben is doing weird things. That's all I will say right now. It's all getting screwy. Okay. Sorry. Well, this is what happens when you try to change up a live show midstream. So it's true. <laughs> uh, it's possible if Gannon wants to talk. I don't know why, but you probably have to go out and come back in and see if your microphone's enabled or something, which is cool. This link will keep working for you. So we'll just sit here. <laughs> so he's in the chat and he's like, and I think in turn, Ben's trying to set it like, you can come in and all that. And like, so he, we're not going to steal the show, but what is it like being seventh in stat Mando rankings? Being 11th U-Disc rankings, having the performances you had, and then having a friend like Gannon Burr, who is like fourth, winning majors, and you're like, dang it, like, I can't be like the best friend in the group? Like, what is that like? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, it's a little rough sometimes, because not, <laughs> not only has he won a major, um, he's higher rated than me, but he's also like seven years younger than me. So that just kind of... <laughs> adds to the humiliation i guess um you know it's quite unfortunate can we hear you now gannon let's go we can hear you hey so if you heard that question like your buddy here isaac is a pretty good disc golfer do you agree the luckiest player ever <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to this who who wins more events in 2023? Uh, let's say elite and majors. Is it a tie again? Same time, like I feel like it just it just depends on the weekend. Like I mean, you can have someone who plays like like I could play like consistent the whole season, and then you know Isaac just goes and pops off at like two events <laughs> randomly and just wins. So who knows? I mean, honestly, I don't think there's a great answer for that because I feel like. I'd like we'll at least get one a piece, hopefully. I would like to point out that I won an elite series before he won a big event. You know, silver series aren't as impressive. I'm, I'm sorry. Actually, <laughs> actually, I mean, I'll, I'm glad you guys are saying it, so I don't have to do it for you. But it's he's not wrong, Gannon. But do you want to talk about like, do you have any excuses for that? Like, is it uh, injuries? We know you're injury prone, you know, like, <laughs> what, what, what do you have to say about that? You couldn't do it at 11 years old. Oh, I, I just, I was trash. Honestly, I didn't, wasn't <laughs> was working trash. hard enough. Apparently. I mean, Isaac, like everyone knows Iowa is like the, the most lucky course you can win at. Cause it's just in the, in the middle of the woods and there's no lines. And like, he just got super lucky. All right. Which putt was better? Isaac's on hole 17 at Idlewild. Or Gannon's at hole 17 at USDGC, both final rounds. There's no, there's no question. It's mine. I disagree. Mine was what? half the distance, and it was still better. <laughs> Bro, oh my gosh. it was literally the same putt, basically. But mine was, <laughs> but mine was, but mine was 15 feet further. Okay, I guess. 
but my, but the but my moment wasn't as big as yours. So true. They're both pretty big. It's true. They're they're good. They're good. You guys have done something I'll never do. I mean, that's saying something because everyone you know thinks Matt should be able to do everything, but no. Hey, so, I, Matt, if there's one thing you could do is is make a big putt and true. Oh my I, I don't know if you can make one as big as hole 17 at USDGC, but you definitely could make one as big as hole 17. I don't know. So they're just kidding, man. <laughs> <laughs> to break it down, though, there's a difference between putting good and far in casual rounds and even like local tournament stuff or even our team challenge scene that we have up here. And then doing it in the USDGC, <laughs> like they're, uh, like 50 feet at the USDGC to like maybe win and like 50 feet to yeah. like just like beat your buddy. It's a little different, you know. So I would, I would say it's easier to putt at, uh, at USDGC. Like, well, Isaac knows this. Like, we're the worst players ever in practice rounds or casual rounds. Okay. We are maybe thousand rated on a good day on a practice round. Like, maybe. And like, and we also lose like a hundred feet of distance easily. So Isaac was throwing five hundred. Now he's throwing four hundred. And then I was throwing like five fifty. I'm only going four fifty now. Like, I, I mean, like if you put me at a local tournament, I'm not making a fifty footer. It's not going to happen. Interesting. Yep. That is interesting. I don't, know, I don't know if other people feel that same way, but I'm not even. Kidding. I can't make a fifty fifty footer at my local f tier you know i'm I'm just trash so i'm trying i'm trying okay. my best again you got to teach me i've been watching that we seven all, minute clip of you putting you know you, you say line up the elbow and snap yeah. like that and that's and i try and it doesn't work again i'm I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep trying what well, using your wrist or fingers mine didn't work what are you using your wrist I, or, he says fingers you say fingers trust me watch yeah, the video yeah fingers Okay. Fingers. And Isaac's all wrist. <laughs> For the well, I, feel like, I feel like Isaac says he's wrist, but he actually means fingers. You gotta battle it out. Yeah, I get the, I get those words mixed up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's so similar. It's so similar. <laughs> so uh, I was talking about your vlogs earlier, Gannon. Uh or not Gannon. It was the Alden oh. vlogs, but Gannon was yeah. in it. Um and Isaac was in this one, and the moment in the Nick and Matt studio is one that Isaac says was an awesome, fun time. And and Stat Mando here, Evan, when you weren't on here, maybe you were in the chat, but he's like that impression Gannon did of me, Stat Mando, was pretty good. It was, it was right on. It was right. Prou my proudest moment of my uh, my career. So thank you to that. Um. All right. So do you think the European tour, the Euro tour? Now that they've announced Silver Series, is worth changing your schedule over, Gannon or Isaac? No, no, I'm, I don't think so. Um, I guess, like for me, like I don't even know if I'm going to go to Europe yet, just because, like, I don't see a ton of value in it for only like two events. But uh, I don't know. Whatever Isaac has to say, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what Isaac has to say. <laughs> is there? Let me ask it in a little different way. You can answer it that way too, but a different way. Is there an advantage to traveling over there to play Silver Series events? Is there an advantage to a player who chooses to do that? There could be. I think, I know Paul McBeth's schedule uh, takes him a lot to Europe. Um, <clears throat> and frankly, I, I don't know the European skill level enough to know like whether there's going to be good competition there or not. Um, I imagine a lot of the European guys would be playing over stateside, 
uh, during that time, possibly. Um, but yeah, if you had like, if you know you're going to place like top 20 in a silver series over in the, in the States, but then you can go to Europe and maybe consistently place top 10, maybe that's a draw for some people. Mm. It might be worth changing the schedule for. Okay. You, you mentioned Paul Macbeth and we don't need to talk about Paul Macbeth. I, I mean, I know that's relevant to what's happening in the disc golf world. But I think, Gannon, you just said, like, it. you don't see it as an, well, you said you might see it as an advantage, but you're not saying it's worth changing your schedule over. So it's not that big of an advantage. Yeah, no. And like, like what Isaac said, like, I mean, from what I know, I mean, obviously the best Europeans are coming over to the U.S. Um, I think Paul is just going to win, like, every tournament, I feel like, over there. Um, from what I know, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe there's, like, a bunch of good uh, Europeans I don't know about. Um, I know there's a, there's a lot of them. I'm just not sure if they're like the world class um, yet. Uh, but yeah, there's, I mean, for Paul, like, I think it's good publicity for him. I mean, obviously everyone knows Paul, but like, I mean, obviously like, if you can ever grow your presence in Europe, I think um, it's definitely huge. And especially Discraft, like I don't see too much of in Europe. So I think that's maybe another move that, you know, he's working with Discraft on, you know, Discraft uh, in Europe, you'd, you'd think like, uh, you know, Latitude or Discmania or something like that. So, um, you know, I think it's definitely a good move on his part to not just like maybe win a bunch of tournaments, but also, uh, you know, get his uh, popularity a little bit higher overseas. And to get to the how good the players are over there, um, I mean, uh, I'm going to shout it out. Stamando has a field strength uh, metric and the uh, lowest uh, pro tour season event uh, in the in North America uh, was the Butler County Disc Golf Classic for MPO, which was 20.45 points. The largest that was purely a European tour event, whether it was Euro Tour or European Pro Tour, uh, was 13.25 for the Yarva Open. Um, so like a, a good amount less uh, than the lowest silver series. Of course, you had PCS Sula, uh, which was actually the lowest silver series of the 2022 season. And then a few more wrapper uh, round events were a little bit lower. Um, but we, we see them being considerably uh, lower. And then the major that's over there, the European, European open uh, that people know of is total field strengths around kind of what a silver series uh, level is. Um, again, and you won uh master's cup. So I won the European high... open. I won the European open. Basically. <laughs> it, it was a higher uh, field strength, which, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to say it's the most perfect system ever, but it gives us a really good idea. Uh, so if you want to brag about that, you can. I, <laughs> I might not choose time, the same way. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just you're talking about growing your brand. And I'll, I'm posing this to both of you. Do you both have this mindset of brand growing to do? Uh, Gannon, you had an off the charts. I shouldn't say off the charts, but a stellar season. Um, I could say off the charts, but I don't, I don't think you would agree with that. You'd say, I got to do better, but a great season. And you're probably thinking about like, Hey, how do I monetize this for my future? And Isaac, you're, you, I just talked about how great your season is. Growing your brand is a big deal. Do you feel like if you did go over and prioritize playing all these European Euro tour events, like you'd become a lot more popular in Europe, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think that's huge, especially like I, I think I heard once there's a survey like 22 percent of kids in school. Uh, I'm not sure like what age it was, maybe like middle school, like said disc golf was their favorite sport. And that's like that's equivalent to like football or baseball or basketball here. If you ask the same question 
And um, I think there's there's like a there's a high profit if you can uh, grow your popularity in Europe because I feel like in Europe it's even more dominated by younger people. I mean, I feel like there's a lot more kids that play. And uh, you know, I, I mean, especially like for someone like me and Isaac, like as some of the younger players on tour, um, I I imagine like they you know they look up to the obviously the, the best players in the world, but they probably also look up to people that are around you know closer to their age. Um, just because it kind of can give them some, uh, you know, feel like that they can do it themselves if they keep working at it. So um, I think with that, you know, our age helps a lot too. If we were to go over there and grow our brand in terms of, you know, how fast we can become popular and how much that would, you know, improve our success. Yeah. And do you feel similarly as you're nodding your head? Like, where do you see yourself at with growing your brand? Yeah, I think as a relatively new player on the tour, uh, I'm still in the gr- the brand growing stages. Um, so, you know, people with established reputations, um, they kind of can sit back and relax a little bit from that side. But this next year and 2024 specific, you know, those next couple years are going to be crucial in building the brand and getting my name out there. Um, so it's it's very important. Absolutely. It's important. And I think it's incredible that you're at this point in the sport where you guys are. And like, I've been playing it for 16 years again. And you've been playing for how long? Uh, six, seven, probably. But, but the point is you've seen the, the growth and the explosion and Isaac, how long have you been playing? I've been playing for probably 15 or 16 years. Yeah. yeah there you go. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you've done a lot more with it than I have, <laughs> but <laughs> the point is, yeah, where we're at now, it's incredible. And, and growing your brand, the opportunities you have, um, it, it's incredible. So, we don't always do this, but we started recently screening phone calls, actually, so we don't have to put you on the spot with anything really weird. <laughs> but we do have a live caller lined up, and we're going to give them the floor to actually ask a question that I think will be relevant for both of you to contribute your opinions on. We don't, they don't need to hear ours. So if you're hearing us live on your phone call right now, go ahead and give us your question. Hello. Uh, yeah, yeah go ahead. my question – sorry, my, my question is just uh, basically I feel like uh, – two courses um, for tournaments is kind of a crutch for some players. And I'd rather see one course be used for basically every tournament and baskets be moved for, I don't know if it's a majority of holes, but you know, four to 12 holes um, on a course. Um, I've played a ton of courses around the country and I look at, you know, something like Maple Hill and we could actually have a moving day during tournaments as opposed to, you know, same moving day and I'm not actually meaning anything. Okay, can you elaborate just a little bit more what you're talking about when you say multiple courses being a crutch? Just break that down a little bit more. Yeah, I feel, you know, I hear a lot of podcasts, a lot of media folks talk about two courses and having that kind of balance, distance and open versus woods or park style or whatever. And um, I just think that's kind of a crutch, you know. If you don't have the best well-rounded game to play, you know, Maple Hill for four rounds versus GMC, which is Smugglers and Brewster. Um, yeah, I just feel like you're not the actual best player, you know? I mean, it technically averages out, and that technically would show the best player on that day. But, I mean, to have a world, a world championship one year be a combined course for two courses and have it next year be, you know, one single course, I think that would actually show – 
a player that dedicated that year and knew that it was going to be in Brewster Ridge. And they said, okay, I got to get better at Woods, you know, as opposed to the naturally gifted long distance thrower or the naturally better at Woods player, um, be able to kind of skate by on one side or the other. Okay. Stick, stick around. If you want to do any follow-ups here, I'm going to pass it over um, to get the opinions of Gannon Burr and Isaac Robinson. I'll just give it to you. I have a, I have a thought on it, but I'm not the one who needs to answer this. Uh, who wants to start, Isaac or Gannon? Isaac does. Isaac, go ahead. What do you think? Uh, what do you think I about do. that? What do you think about that take? So the question was, more course, more tournaments should be single courses to kind of show who's the best at that course. Yeah. Well, yeah. It sounds to me like that. less. Okay. Yeah, you have to be good at that course. Like no. Oh, now we're going back to the woods where I have an advantage, kind of a thing. Yeah, I think in terms of being a player and having to compete on two courses, um, I definitely look forward to certain courses more. So like the instance of Fox Run and Brewster Ridge, both of those are very different courses, but I look forward to them both. I look forward to playing them both Um, because sometimes I might not be hitting the lines great. So I'll be looking forward to Fox Run and, you know, that'll give me, you know, a little bit of break from the woods. So I, I really like playing two courses, um, specifically like Ledgestone. I think it brings, you know, if, it takes more skill to win at two courses, I think, than it does at one course specifically, if I'm understanding the question. Correctly. Yeah, and actually, I think that's exactly what the question was. Uh, to the caller, is, is, did he just say that correctly, where he said he actually thinks it takes more skill to play two courses? Did we lose the caller, Ben? No, caller. no, I'm here. Sorry. Okay. Oh. Well, what do you what do you think? What do you think about that? I mean, I actually have the same opinion. We're not we're not yet to Gannon, but like, they think it takes more skill to play I multiple think, courses. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, if you played ten courses in one day, that would take more skill. I mean, you know, what are we talking about here? Being <laughs> well, mean, being well rounded, skill. being well rounded. So I've thought about this before, mm-hmm. like rock climbing, right? And I I did so rock can, climbing for a period well of time. Rounded, yeah. You can be you can be well rounded, or you can be specifically good at what the course asks you to do that one day. I'm a rock climber as well. I've also played golf my entire life. You know, you don't play Augusta and a coastal course for the Masters. But on tour, you you want to see okay. So it's just a difference of opinion on how you want to see it because on tour you do want to see all the disciplines. I'll quote quote disciplines challenged. Yeah, I want to see all the disciplines challenged. I think, I think, like to the to the smugglers and Brewster or um, Ledgestone example. Like, I think that's a better example for the tour to sit in a certain region for a better length of time, right? Like, why not have one course? Why not have smugglers for a three day tournament, and then have Brewster for a three day tournament, and actually dedicate that to those to that particular type of player that can be, you know. It has to be well-rounded to win two tournaments instead of one because they had a crutch because they were like, oh, I'm really good in the wind or in the woods. I don't have to throw it 500 feet. Yeah, and, and and I'll pass this over to Gannon for his opinion, but they do have other tournaments. It's not on the Pro Tour, and I know that's what you're talking about, but they do have what's called the Bro. Sure. It's the Brewster Ridge Open. So to your point, they could do it. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of factors that would come into play there, but I, I don't know. Y- your opinion just sounds to me like more like you just want one course per tournament. Not that necessarily it's easier or harder, but you want one course. Uh, Gannon, what, what do you think on this take here? Yeah, um, I feel like 
for me, I prefer to play two two different courses. That's definitely what I look forward to. And uh, I feel like I feel like it does take more skill to win a, like a tournament that has two courses, like Ledgestone or uh, uh, Green Mountain Championships or any Worlds. Like you almost never see, I guess you could call it like a fluke winner at uh, a tournament where you have two different courses because. I mean, there's always the argument, like people kind of got upset. Like I feel like when Eagle was winning, um, when we played a lot of ball golf courses um, and obviously your body does limit you somewhat, I feel like, but I mean, Eagle's probably six, three, I feel like. And, you know, I mean, people were getting mad that he could just throw rollers further than everyone else. And like, it was like an advantage he had, but it's really not because, you know, he put the work in to be able to do that. And everyone could do that. If you think about it, if they put the, you know, if they were able to, you know, change the game like that. So, like I, for me, I feel like it's it's uh, harder to win and it's more impressive to win on a two course tournament. And I like the I like the difference when you have like woods and open, or they could even you know both be open, but it's it's still a different mix of a different course you have to play. Um, and uh, yeah, I I think I think it's really more impressive if a player can win a tournament at two different courses because um, there's so many different shot selections and. You know, obviously there's players that have strengths on, you know, open shots, wooded shots, hyzer flips. Like I'm a flex player, um, but, you know, there's players out there that are hyzer flip players. So, um, but, you know, you can't really say there's an advantage to each player because, you know, we're all given the uh, gift to throw a disc so we can, you know, put the work in to throw the shot we need to for that hole or that course. So I think, I think for me, it's probably two courses is, is more fun and I look forward to it more and it's a little more impressive, I feel like. Gannon, you definitely have an advantage. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, there is an advantage to Gannon Burke. <laughs> but but I'm going to ask for the caller's sake. I think he's still on here, but I just want to say the follow-up here. The other idea, and correct me if I'm wrong, caller, I'm sorry I didn't get your name, but is that the idea of moving the basket. So let's say Maple Hill, for example. Maple Hill is one course. People yeah. do enjoy that at some level. Some people don't, but let's go on Maple Hill four times in a row. What do you think about like, yeah, let's move the baskets. Let's have an alternate position. Cause like that, that I, th I like that idea yeah. best. I think, I think that's, you know, and, and I, and I get the conversation for two courses for, for one course. Um, I think both sides make a ton of sense. I, I think I would pair it with this topic of moving baskets, right? When I think of Maple Hill, um, when I think of other, you know, kind of stalwart, like single course locations, um, you know, Maple Hill, I don't know, hole one, what is it? Hole three, hole, you know, 14, 11, like all these holes that have kind of entries into the woods or they have they're on a hill and you can put it behind the hill you can put it in front of the hill for an easier shot on a moving day or something like that that could just make that would add to the drama it would add to scoring separation it would add to opportunities um versus like you know hole one in maple hill it's the same basket location every day you know um you could move it out at, right at the opening of the of the forest that first day you can make that mulch area a little deeper and move it back for the last day um hole i think of hole like 17 right like that one you get up on the hill and then you have to drop down a little bit kind of kind of toward um yeah. hole 18 t-box like There's, you know you can yeah. pull that up to the front of the hill i mean yeah so and, and i know i, I know what you're going at think of one courses and moving baskets being more kind of more interesting more drama building yeah so let me just ask i the only course that's coming to my mind and you tour obviously 
every course, so you'll see more than I do. But USDGC hole seventeen, and maybe is there another or two there that do that or just one? There's a couple. It was yeah. hole oh, eighteen. Mm-hmm. Or no? They've, uh, done, they've done it in 13, the past. Thirteen. 18, yeah, eighteen changed in the past, but thirteen, like commonly known as eight eight eight, used to be like. I think there was three locations. There was one deep, one like deep right, and then there was one like on a short peninsula. And then they kind of, obviously, thirteen got changed uh, last year, um, so they haven't done that. But yeah, other than that, it was just seventeen would move like left and right, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any any other courses though besides USDGC to that point, like are actually changing the layout to like have an alternate moving day, if you will. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. What What do you guys think about that idea? I, I actually find that an intriguing conversation. And I have. think. Yeah, and I. Go ahead, caller. I think of like um, I think sorry, I think of like Glendivere and the preserve and you know other courses like mm-hmm. that where, pretty pretty amazing courses and properties. And I don't know. I I don't think any other course other than ones you guys mentioned, which maybe had one or two holes each, right? And USDGC was just in the last kind of two years, maybe. Um, but like Glendivere, I mean, some of those holes are, you know, 11, 1200 feet long, like shorten it to 950 and put it in this little bunch of trees and then lengthen it to 1100 on the last day. Um, you know, put it over this pond, put it on the left side of the preserve on, on hole one, put it on the right exactly. side of hole one. Yeah. Um, Every yeah, course is like, I think there's a ton of opportunities. Like Every that. course has the opportunity. How do you practice well, that? Well, hold on. First of all, we appreciate your call. What was your name? Uh, my name is Brian. Brian, yeah. thank Thanks you very much me. for calling. Uh, we're going to drop you off now, but we really do appreciate it. And we're going to continue you, this conversation. So what do you guys think about that? I brought up USDGC, but in my mind, I'm like, ah, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. Like, let's move the basket here and like change it. So you're playing one course, not, not officially different layouts, maybe a little different basket location. What do you think about that? Excite you, bore you, make you angry. What does it do? I don't know. I like the USDGC. It feels, I don't know, feels kind of natural for them to do that because that course is kind of always changing. Um, so there's gimmicky. a lot of changes going on. Yeah, sometimes it's very gimmicky. Super um, lucky. <laughs> yeah, you have to be super lucky to win. Um, you have to be super like, lucky to win, right? <laughs> <laughs> incredibly lucky. Um, so. I think what the USDGC does is kind of unique to itself. Um, and I haven't, you know, we haven't seen any of the other courses on the tour do that. Um, and, you know, whether that's a good or a bad thing, you know, that's, I guess that's up to opinion. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It'd be so interesting. I'll, I'll pass this back over to Gannon. But MVP Open mm-hmm. in Maple Hill, they are known for and you're probably aware of this, but changing the course every year, something a hole or two holes gets changed, new tee pad location, totally new basket location. They've, they've done that every year. I'm excited for what this year brings, yeah. but maybe they could, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Gannon? Changing it up on like, let's say the last day or a third day, like, I don't know. What do you think? Isaac shared his opinion. Yeah, so um, actually like, so I kind of help with like the design of the Des Moines Challenge course at Pickard Park. Um, just cause like it was, uh, me and Titan at the tournament director, we live like right next to each other. And we, I mean, that's our home course, basically. It's a little far from our house, but that's when we play the most. And we kind of had that, that vision that we wanted to actually change some pin locations for day two. It's a three day tournament typically. Um, and, uh, I, I think that 
idea will work on courses like Glendevere, the Preserve, USDGC, um, possibly Maple Hill. Um, I just I feel like at the the more open courses that that don't have as much OB or maybe have super tight OB um, that they definitely could use different pin locations. Um, I'm thinking like preserve like a lot of the a couple of the par fives like maybe you could put them in different like a couple hundred feet from the other pin and like mm -hmm. a whole different part of the hole. Um, but I feel like a course I feel like there's a lot of like more like wooded courses where there's just like no point and I mm -hmm. feel like it wouldn't make too much of a difference. But I, d I definitely would like that maybe on like seven or eight of the holes would be kind of mm. cool. Like that way it makes the course like pretty different. Um, but at the same time, it's it's still like similar landing zones. Like like right. maybe you keep like a par four landing zone similar, but then the second shot is where it really matters or some, something like that um, to where, um, you know, it's still I feel like it would still need to work with the OB lines because obviously – you wouldn't want to like paint two OB lines, like, you know, right. having like white paint for one day and then orange paint for another day. I feel like that would get kind of Stop confusing. thinking ahead, Gannon. That's too smart. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I know. No. They're, they're going to do it now. I would be surprised. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely an interesting topic, I feel like. And I mean, I, I definitely want to see it at least one time for sure on a, you know, have the whole course almost be changed. I think it'd be fun and it'd be, uh, it'd be challenging to practice and it would really show who, who put the work in yeah. to actually study the course. Because that's something I've been doing a lot more is, um, and I think that's what led to uh, my consistent finishes and success last year was I, you know, it might seem like I'm goofing around in the practice round, but I'm really exactly trying to see like, you know, what disc is going to, uh, you know, throw good for this shot or like I even, you know, judge on how much the, the fairway might skip or, you know, really setting up the second shot in a par four. So I think something, you know, like changing pins could really add some more depth to the game. I think an interesting to think about is in, in disc golf compared to ball golf, uh, putting is a lot easier. So when people are designing courses, they generally put the basket in the toughest place to, to make a putt. I mean, we see LVC put almost every basket on a hill. So that way it's a little bit more elevated and a tougher putt. Uh, so if we're making these pin location changes, well, pretty much all, all of the one, uh, I don't want to say all, a lot of them are going to come with making a second option easier. Uh, and so that's that's mm. the trade-off is do they want to make it easier where all the trends have been pushing why, the why is further that the and case? further to make it tougher? I mean, Evan, that's inherent. You're right. I, I think like at the basic logic of what you're saying, one would have to be easier for some people, but it might be harder for others. The, like what Gary yeah, was saying well, is keep the same landing zone, but now you have a forehand approach 300 feet as opposed to a backhand I, approach. Like. That doesn't necessarily mean easier, harder, but maybe per player. But anyway. no, I, I just think it would be consistently the same direction and you would want it to be a mix of different things, I, I think. But also when it comes to moving days, you I, I think the point in ball golf, I'm not really the biggest fan, but is to make it a little bit easier because you have the whole field. And then once you cut, then you make it more difficult. Mm. Uh, so mm. if that's the case, that's totally fine. It was just an observation that I had that I think it's the way that we use putting greens. I think with Gannon's point that he's kind of making is uh or i think he was making is having uh almost a different type of hole within it where it's not necessarily the basket moving but you could also have a second tee uh where you're playing to the same green but it requires two different shots so maple hill um, is primed they are primed they have like four tee pads on honestly every there's a yeah, lot of that, there's a lot of chances I like, like something changing. as simple yeah it's, uh, something as simple as you know this Imagine hole, hole, just, okay people don't know the iconic like the non-iconic holes but hole seven right at maple hill yeah you can picture it it's the road mm. it's the dirt path goes uphill okay straight shot 
But like if you move that over to the red T-pad, the distance is very similar. Not like drastic. We're talking 40 feet different. But it plays a totally different line. And you could go to the same basket. Like, again, we're talking a lot. I'm interested in Gannon and Isaac's perspective as they are the touring players. But, again, just yes or no. What do you think? Would you be interested in them trying that at a few courses? For sure. Yeah, I feel like I feel like if we could uh, at least happen one time just to like just to test it out, you know, um, I, I definitely like I like the idea of changing the T-pad as well. The only the only issue with that would be like it could get like a little confusing for like practice days because like, I mean, I remember at Maple Hill, the course was so packed the whole day. <laughs> it felt like and you couldn't even like get off all one's T-pad unless you made a T-pad. True. How would you uh, practice it? Yeah. Yeah. And like especially, and then when you have people on like you're on the same hole, but you're playing a different T-pad. And then you have the FPO right. also maybe playing two T-pads. Like right. it'd get a little confusing with that. So I, I'd say like Interesting. 80%, 80% you could change the basket location, but you know, maybe one of the two holes you could change the T-pad actually. And you know that, I mean, it's a, it'd be amazing. Like it adds like a whole entire new hole and it adds, you know, that, that much more, you know, like I said, depth to the game, I feel like. So you brought up a great point. Again, that's why you're on the road. You guys know the practicalness of this, but like take it for instance, and maybe it'd be boring. Well, let's go because we're so familiar with maple. We could go anywhere, but maple hole eight, you're thrown over the water. Okay. For a while you used to throw from what they called the white tee pad. Then over the years, they moved it to what was the gold tee pad. Then the gold tee pad became diamonds and gold moved back to where you guys are now. That's the shot you're imagining now is throwing farther over land than over water to the island. But like, what would it be like? Okay, the first three days you're throwing from the shorter tee pad. Like you're just moving up closer, like towards the water. Like that that kind of change on tee pad, Gannon, wouldn't really make an effect on practice or not. It's the same exact line. It's just shorter. So yeah. But but I so but I hear what you're saying, and I think that's fantastic. Like you'd have to think through those things, but. I don't know. Isaac, any closing thoughts on that topic? Um, I like I, I agree mostly with Gannon. I think that it would be cool to see maybe some hold changes on kind of the kind of the signature series courses. So like, you know, you mentioned Preserve and Glen de Beer. Um, and I think the practicalness, a lot of these courses, you know, with the exception of a couple, don't have the amount of space they need practically to change the hole or change the course a right. lot. Um, so, you know, that, that certainly plays a factor in that decision, but I think it would be cool. Um, you know, I think it, it'd be, it would bring some excitement to the courses for sure. It's not like golf, like, like you're saying, it's, mm-hmm. it's not like golf. Like yep. you can't move a basket 30 feet, right. And it's totally different hole. Like you're still going to have the same mm-hmm. landing zone and hit the same putt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I feel like there's a, like a lot of courses too. Like, I mean, I, I know I feel like it wouldn't work amazing for Waco, but at the same time, like in its own way it'd make like an entire different course because like i feel like courses like waco like they're almost getting outdated a little bit um i know like some players like like for me i love to play waco um for like a fun round like waco is super fun to play but i feel like when the tournament comes it's like kind of like it's just like a weird course a little bit because you have like the nine holes in the woods nine holes in the open and then i mean it's really just artificial ob it feels like when you get to the open um and the holes are just kind of weird uh like i think yeah hole 16 on that back nine um, in terms of the pro tour layout, because I know that the holes are numbered differently for the actual uh, layout that normal people play. Uh, but uh, like hole 16 is wide open. It's like 600 feet. Like you should birdie that 80% of the time. I mean, I always expect to birdie it. 
unless there's like any crazy wind, but like maybe you can move that. Cause there's a bunch of room like up and left or, or maybe adding like a Mando, like you'd like, you have to play. Cause I know there's trees on that hole. Like you could put the basket way, way up left, make it 50 feet longer and then make a Mando like in the middle of the fairway, you have to go right of that way. Like you have to play it, you know, a little trickier. So something like that, I think could, uh, could benefit like those kind of courses that are maybe getting a little bit older, older, which we have seen, you know, some got taken off the tours, some are completely revamped. Um, you know, obviously the game's changing and players are improving, new shots are coming up and uh, we you know we're trying to push that skill level. So I think that'd be a good way to do it. All right. Well, thank you to that caller for bringing that topic. Um, yeah, that was deep. It was deep. Yeah. I mean, hey, and I also appreciate the fact that he was standing his ground. <laughs> I was like, hey, I don't know. We're all like, I don't know. And he's I, like, what are we? Talking? I do I do have one thing to say. I did say how would it how would you practice, but then I realized you just have two baskets. Yeah. So I rescind that comment. <laughs> <laughs> you can always tell a ball golfer when when they have that take. It's just it's they they all they want to bring things from ball golf and bring it in here. Not not that it's a bad thing, just it's noticeable and you kind of tell where things, they're coming from. Yeah. Some things don't translate over. Um, as we get closer to the end of this interview, I turn it back to Isaac for a minute here is like, what have you been doing to get ready? Or maybe you're already ready for this season coming. Um, yeah. I mean, we're not that far out. What are your plans? What are your excitements for this year? I'd like to start. Yeah. I think one of the highlights that I'm really looking forward to is the, uh, is the all-star event. Um, kind of start the season you know it's a huge honor to be invited to that event and I'm just I'm so excited to to go out there and just the format they're going to use with the with the two teams and the the competitive environment I'm extremely excited for that so I'm kind of mentally preparing as I'm practicing you know practicing putting and driving and just kind of getting geared up for that that event specifically so the night before are you going to get like nerves and like i can't sleep and you wake up early kind of a thing probably i already i already have nerves i'm already trying to work through them i'm trying to get you know prepared to deal with those um because you know if i understand the team format correctly you know somebody's picking you to do a specific skill uh, and you really don't want to let your team down so already mentally preparing for that um yeah looking forward to it Nice. I, I try not to abuse the privilege of having cell phone numbers, but I'll I'll text you and say good job or razz you if you did bad. But no. um, I appreciate that. Oh, you appreciate it? Okay, then we'll just add you to our group chat and then yeah. we're going to all razz you. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll probably be like, wow. I told somebody today there should be a Patreon for our group text message between me, Ben, Evan, and Nick. It would be fire. People would be like, You would pay a lot of money. But you can only yeah, view. Me and you Matt can only view. We're about to throw fists at yeah, each other. Yeah, we were throwing like, fists so at a text message. It's sports, everybody. It's sports. Um, Gannon, what do you think? All-stars, uh, nerves. Hey, you're done with school now. You're throwing beef jerky for fun. Like, what are you looking forward to this year? It's, is it going to seem like a new, fresh tour for you? Uh, a little bit. Uh, I know, like, one of my goals uh, this offseason was to put on some weight. Obviously, I've got a bunch of comments about like how oh, he's so skinny. Like that's going to be the downfall of his mm. career. So, uh, I've been I've been working out a little bit and uh, obviously trying to eat more. And I've gained 25 pounds since USDGC. So Sheesh. I'm on a on a good pace. I feel like and um, so I, I feel like and I've already noticed like I'm not as sore. So I think I think my performance level will be even higher. 
um, just physically. Uh, obviously, I think my mental uh, state is going to be just as good. Um, but yeah, looking forward to All Stars. All Stars is um, I got invited to last year um, as we had a couple people drop out, and uh, I was uh, I was like the second to last person to get in, and that was like one of the most like top top three probably most fun weeks of tour because like it's super laid back. I mean, I mean you have you have like terms like the match play, which like you know, matters a little bit. I mean, there's definitely a good purse if you win, but like, it's not too important. Um, but something like the all-stars is definitely not important at all, but it's, it's just, uh, it's a really fun, fun weekend. Just, I feel like for the players, you know, that resort we were at last year and we're going to be there again was amazing. You know, just wake up and, you know, walk up to the resort. We're in like these little hotel rooms and go chill by the pool, get some smoothies. And then you can go practice the course, which is like a couple hundred feet away from the, the main, uh, the main resort. And, uh, you know, go there to watch some football games. I know last year we were in the hot tub watching the Super Bowl, and that was super fun. So uh, I think, and to especially have Isaac there too this year is going to be amazing because I didn't have really uh, anyone there last year that I knew too well. Um, but obviously that now that I've been on tour and, you know, I've got to know Isaac over the last year, I think it's going to be a lot of fun just hanging out. And it's a great time. Get out of, you know, Iowa. We got like eight inches of snow right now, and it's, you know, it doesn't get above 20 really. So... <laughs> Uh, I'm. I can't even go outside and practice. So right now, I'm just like, okay. I hope my disc fly the same way they did when they when I ended. Um, <laughs> or like, you know, I hope my hope my game feels good. Usually, my like my touch isn't very good because I haven't thrown at all. You know, I just throw into a net a bunch. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to that. And season's gonna be really fun. I just want to take in every moment because you know last year went by so fast it felt like, and you know, but it was also a bunch of fun when I look back at it. So I want to just cherish every moment and, and you know have a good time and just remember why I'm out there. All right. Well, last week we interviewed Simon and that was awesome. And I, towards the end of the show, called him out and I'm like, dude, when you were younger, you looked, <laughs> why were you so skinny? And I'm like, what did I just say? I'm like, blah, blah, blah. like take the words back, like, take them back. It was like, it was not offensive to Simon. And I went it on record. Like Simon and I are friends. You, you know, what's funny. Some, yeah, go ahead. On his vlog, he said, oh, I'm sore from going to the gym. And you're only sore when you first start going to the gym. So I think you gave him a little fire and uh, made him go to the gym. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I'll say this. Like, I'll interview people. Like, I don't, I can't say like, oh, I know Isaac so well, or I know Gannon so well. We've had a number of conversations off screen, on screen. Simon is the one who I've talked to the most off screen. And so sometimes... I have to remember, like I'm talking in front of thousands of people. Like I can't just sometimes say the same thing I would like I can, but then people are just like, you are the worst host ever. And I'm like, listen, just relax. Just relax. Like he's, he's, yeah, cool. We have the, he's cool. We have the same issue with the vlogs. I feel like, you know, we'll like, we'll just like be talking, you know, how we always talk without the camera on. And then we're like, Oh wait, we can't put that in the vlog. You know? <laughs> like, Alden has, so much footage of just you know stuff we can't put in there but it's funny but um i mean same thing happens for us you know we, we say something like oh yeah we can't really say that but uh yeah so so mm -hmm. speaking of of the vlogs and prodigies this uh, i believe this is a contract year for both of y'all is it me not isaac i don't think okay not isaac no. okay so this is more towards ganon ganon does that put any additional pressure on you because you see you know, you already proved yourself winning UCC, but does that put any additional pressure? Like, okay, I see these people making millions. I could do the same. Like, I have to 
perform this year? Yeah, um, a little bit. It's like, I feel like, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm on the contract that I, I, you know, earned when I was after the 2021 season, which was good, but it wasn't like that amazing. I wasn't really selling too many discs. Um, I mean, I was like 25th in the world or something like that. Um, and then obviously last year I bumped up to, you know, fourth in the world and got my USDGC title. Um, so it's definitely a motivation. Um, obviously, like, I mean, the money is like the second most important thing. Number one is just, I want to play good. Like, I just want to win really. And then for me, the money comes later. Like I don't do, I don't work or I don't like, you know, practice just to get money or, you know, just to support myself that way. I, 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 I play, play good to, you know, try to do my best and that's what satisfies me. Um, but, um, so, yeah, it's definitely like maybe a little bit of pressure. Like, hey, I had a good season. I finished on a good note last year, and this year, if I can keep that up, I can get one of those those deals. Because, like I said, I'm not on that. You know, I'm I'm getting paid basically like what I signed for. Uh, you know, before last year, which you know, I guess is it's obviously under what my skill level is now. But you know, that's just something to look forward to, and you know, hopefully, I can you know get bigger offers at the end of this year, and that. That'll be definitely an exciting moment for me because, uh, you know, who knows what can happen, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Last question from me goes to Gannon, I guess. Uh, I don't know if it got brought up in the chat or not, and you're going to hear it until the day you die. But people are like, the putting, like, it's a new season. We haven't seen you putt for a while. <laughs> like, the time, like, the timing of it. Um, I think last time I talked to you, I think we did an interview. You said, like, yeah, like, I'm kind of figuring it out. I'm working on it. And, and you've shared your opinions on whether you, whether you think time should be a thing, all that. But just like generally with the way the rules are right now, like, is there, has it been a part of your thought process at all going into this year? Not one bit. Cause like, and like, I know I can need to speed up for sure. Um, I, I mean, I was, I was just like watching some like live coverage from USDGC, like, and I, I really wasn't really ever going over 30 seconds. I think it's just that like, stereotype that i have now you know where mm -hmm. if i take over 30 seconds one or two times i get destroyed for it but then if any other player took over 30 seconds someone's going to say a word about it so that's just kind of how it's going to be i feel like and it's unfortunate that that's how it had to start out um and that's going to take me i think a couple of years to get rid of you know because some people might not watch and they're like oh yeah he's slow i mean i, I don't want to watch him because he's slow and then they don't realize i'm faster um i know like last year at ledgestone i made an effort to play like super fast and i end up shooting like my second highest rate around of the year yes. playing like like under 20 seconds every single shot i told myself okay i don't care how uncomfortable i feel just throw the disc and i like you know i'd do like two pumps on my putt and i'd chuck it um and i played super good at ledgestone um but uh i i think i feel like it's not going to be that much of an issue this year um and i mean unless the conditions get crazy windy i feel like uh, but I, I feel more comfortable. I feel like there's just not as much pressure um, or like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like, it's hard to get quicker, I feel like. And obviously you can make that effort. But, you know, especially when the moment's big, like, you know, you want to take your time. Um, but I feel like I feel like with this year, um, obviously I haven't played any tournaments, so I have no experience about how it's going to be. But I feel like I'll have no problem just stepping up, getting a decent feel for the putt and, you know, hopefully take 20 seconds or less every shot again. I feel like that shouldn't be an issue and same thing on the drives and whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think about it a little bit, but it's not something that I'm like actively trying to fix, right. I guess. No, that's good. We asked the questions that the people want to know. I, I think it's interesting, but I don't expect anything different from you. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Pressure comes from the fans, which is interesting in all sports. 
it's not mm-hmm. usually from the competitors. It's like the outcry yeah. of the vocal yeah. minority. So it's interesting. Yeah. You're trying to win over the the respect of the you know the fans, you know. And, yep. It was um, a, couple, a couple of years, I feel like. Yeah, Chris Dickerson for a while mm-hmm. was on the jump putt. Like he was getting he was making headlines in the fans' chats, <laughs> like, oh, it's unfair. Yeah. And it's like, really, really? <laughs> Is it? But yeah, yeah, so that's interesting. Hey, has anybody called you out for anything, Isaac, in the last year? Like, man, he needs to fix that. <laughs> uh, not that I know of. Wow. Not off the top of my head, anyway. Lucky guy. Just keep that going. He's I lucky. Know. I guess I that's the theme. <laughs> <laughs> Fly under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> Evan's laughing. Isaac's, Isaac's raging. He keeps what? folding his putters in half. <laughs> oh yeah, the, every single putt got that on camera. No, <laughs> Isaac, I saw that live at MVP Open. No, I was saying that because Gannon keeps calling him super lucky. That's that's what I was saying. Evan. Yeah, was that in, was that was funny. That's what oh, I, was saying, I thought you were saying I was insulting him. I was like, dude, what? <laughs> no, Gannon's been I saying this a- whole time. I thought it was a good bird, and we were just getting in on no, the yeah, Isaac, <laughs> He didn't go forehand on hole eighteen. It was a thirty, I don't know, sixty foot upshot. No, a little more. And he 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 bent the putter respectfully. I will give him that. It was just quick. <laughs> it was quick bend into his chest, and he put it in the bag. I was the only one that saw it. So <laughs> I zipped it up in the yeah, exactly. in the side pocket. Yeah. So. That putter was ruined for the rest of the season. Yeah, that was like that was your like little like comfort blanket, you know, like after every like you, you can see it like in person. I'm not sure if you see the camera, but like I, I played like a decent deal with you in tournaments like last season, or like or just from what I what I know playing with you in practice rounds, or whatever. Like like it like it's folded in like fourths. Like you can see <laughs> of the putter is just like destroyed. Yep. You have it you have it ready in your left hand whenever you miss a putt, and you're just like, yep. <laughs> Oh, so it's not even a throwing putter. It's a. <laughs> it's, it's a just rage one you putter. have. No, like he never well, uses it. It was. It's a rage It was putter. until okay. Maple Hill. Yeah. So yeah. I was the first one to witness your yes your rage. All wow, right. I feel honored. Yep. yep. I was literally the only one there. It was crazy. <laughs> wow. right Paul Kranz was on your card. That's why I was watching. Right. I watched watched Paul finish. Yep. 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 Man, um, we're pretty much at the end of the show. But I thought of a, a not a segment, but a question we talked about earlier from a segment called. Uh, what was it? Cool ideas that are probably bad ideas. <laughs> like it was something like that. And one of them was, what if you had like, you know how in football they got two chances to like, uh, what do they call it? Uh, challenge, challenge a rule. So in a similar mm. mindset, what if you had two times where you could take extra time? Like, is that a good idea where you're like, listen, yeah. like, I'm going to use one of those times right now. I need a two minutes as opposed to a 30 seconds. Like I need to do something special here. Like, but you only get it two times. What do you think of that idea? Gannon was shaking his head. Yes. <laughs> I think I think it'd be fun. It adds some like intensity or like, it's kind of cool, I guess. I mean, we get in like these tricky situations in the woods. Like, Hey, I need to take my, I need two minutes now, you know, mm-hmm. like I just, just in case. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or like a tough lie. Like a really yeah. tough lie. Like you need extra time yeah. to try to adjust or get ready. Yeah, and then they yeah, like, well, yeah. go ahead. Game. I remember like, I remember at like uh, Idlewild, like I was getting crap for like putting two towels down on my feet. I mean, Isaac knows like whole 18 was a slip and slide. I couldn't even stand up without falling over. And I was <laughs> mm-hmm. getting crap for taking too long on that. My actual shot once I was set was like 15 seconds. But like, you know, I'd probably take over a minute trying to get my feet set so I wouldn't. You know, it's an unsafe lie, I guess. Like, you know, maybe 
maybe like the tournament director's like, oh, conditions are not as safe today. We'll give you guys 15 more seconds per shot. Something <laughs> stupid like that. I don't know. That's where it turns into like, again, cool idea is probably pretty yeah. bad. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you'd have to figure out how that would change the pace of play. If, if everybody's able to do that two times per round and take two minutes, it might affect it. But but anyways, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have to yeah. use it either. So it's just. Yeah. But mm-hmm. so here's here's my idea. What I was going to say is, you know, what would really build drama instead of calling people on like foot faults and stuff. You have like a like like a challenge flag and you just yeah, throw yeah. it at them. <laughs> just and, and you don't say a word. And they're like, what? Crap. And then, yeah. and then I guess you do have to say something, but yeah. it's not like, oh, yeah. you foot faulted. And they're like, yeah, that'd be, I have a, I have an idea. I want to like, just put out there. Um, I've, I've talked to a couple friends about this, but like, I think it'd be cool if the pro tour put on an elite series event where, um, like you have to be there. The, so like, let's say it starts on Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you have to be there Monday, like afternoon and you get three discs they give you three pro tour branded discs and you have you have that like week to learn the discs and learn the course and then whoever you know then you play from there does everyone have the same discs yeah everyone has the same discs. Yeah, okay. everyone gets the pro tour mid-range driver putter whatever or are they random or, yeah like is it anything. a stable driver um well it's whatever they decide like that week you know like maybe they did it like multiple times in a season like 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 one time they do like a super overstable driver flippy mid I see and then a, a beadless putter and then the next time it's a beaded putter overstable mid like so it change it would change like depending on the the week or whatever but like I mean everyone basically has to show their skill set and then we actually have an even like playing field you know because I feel like there's definitely <laughs> an advantage to having certain discs like I feel like I have a huge advantage in Isaac too throwing the A two. <laughs> Like, I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah, disc is like a cheat code, but other people don't have that. So, like, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think it'd be super fun just to try out one time. All-Star games. Pitch it. I think yeah, it. All-Star. That should, that should be the All-Star. Be the singles round should just be with three discs about the Pro Tour brand. Yeah, I think that's, like, more like a fun one-time event. But I do think it's a good idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, with entire, you. the entire season next year is just yeah. Pro Tour. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think you were saying, like, a, uh, like a side event that you would do. Yeah. Maybe Simon every, just every signed week, every couple weeks. some massive deal. And then it's like, yeah. this is the year. Like, you can't throw your new plastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well, bringing up Simon, like, is it going to be an over-molded driver? Like, that's tough. Yeah. What, what brand is the... Uh, yeah. Is yeah, the Pro Tour yeah. branded disc? Well, for what it's worth, uh, as we get ready like to wrap it. up, like Japan Open, you like the 150 mm-hmm. class, like that was kind of that. I remember watching it back in the day, going like, "That's pretty cool." Like they're all throwing different plastic than they usually do, so mm-hmm. that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Not not the same thing I mean, you're saying, but like it was just like everyone was having different than they're used yeah. to. Yeah, you have to learn. Let me. You have to learn a completely new bag. So oh, or Alden can just vlog it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you the Alden event. You guys got to do that. The Alden Pro Tour event, we have to get, like, on an off week, we get every single player. Yes. And we, like, yeah, uh, we just, like, I mean, we can go to, like, a random, like, Franklin Discs. We all get a Franklin starter pack. <laughs> okay, first of all, if you guys haven't seen the new Franklin starter packs, they're actually insane. Good? They're, like, good? Yeah, it comes with, yeah. A, like, a, it comes with a 13-speed driver and premium plastic. It's like and, a nuke. Yeah, it's like a nuke. It, like, I was throwing it, Shoot. It was jacking around, and it was, like, literally going as far as my like foul court like, do, right. they, do they look different than the old franklin did like if i go to like dick sporting goods or walmart yeah. or something right now and pick them up like how do i know i'm getting the right one yeah so it's like it's so it's like star plastic basically and it's like it's only okay. 20 bucks it comes with a so that the 
the putter is like an AVR. The mid is the worst disc ever, but the driver is like <laughs> the mid's like whack. The mid's weird. It has a bunch of flashing on it, but the driver is like insane. The driver, like it, like if you gave me a nuke and that disc, like uh, there'd be no difference. It like I was throwing it just jacking around. I mean, like I said, and it had good stability. Like I was getting like slight hyzer flipped to flat and it fade. Like it was just like I couldn't believe it. It was twenty bucks. Like that's crazy. Can we can we beat you to it? Like Matt, yeah, Nick's gonna be back this week. Oh, we can. Like, yeah, let's find somewhere without snow. And uh, yeah, thanks, Cannon, for the idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if our uh, partner website try disc if they um if they have that in there we franklin. can search out like what's like the comet for franklin <laughs> i can just find my comparable disc this, this is one mid-range that they offer yeah <laughs> it's, it's the one mid-range they have like, this is one. it are there uh, no the that's second, it that's your only option yeah. there's only one <laughs> so should i genuinely reach out to them franklin and be like can you sponsor me uh, and see if i can get a franklin franklin sponsor? is too big for you yeah. They're too big. Bro, they're this golf yeah. division, they're too small for me. What? What? I'm bigger than Franklin. I don't Frank, know what I'm saying. Franklin's like a huge sporting goods company. No, but that'd be yeah. funny. What if someone got sponsored by Franklin Disc Golf? Well, that was a joke Try for a little it. while. Well, I, w- I, was like, like, actually, I was actually thinking about like, like they should hire a like a like a player if they wanted to that knows what they're talking about, like to help design discs. Like like they could actually like make good like the person designing could make really good money off of that. I feel like especially like just feeling their new like their new like starter pack. Like if that's the plastic they use, like that's actually good plastic. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Well, the question is, it the question is are they? Are I don't they, think it is. I don't think it is. Okay, are they the ones making it? Or are they just having like Yakun or like Innova or someone it's make it and then they're just slapping it? It's definitely not like any other manufacturer. It's definitely like a different type of plastic. Mm, okay, because like. It's like it's like star plastic, just cheap, but it's not like that cheap. Like it's it's still pretty nice. Um, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not sure, like, because that I know it might be the Falcor. Like that's what it's called, but it's spelled F A L K O R. Yeah, no, yeah, way. They, they no have, way. Yeah, they are called the Falcor. I'm not yeah. buying it. No, hundred yeah. percent. They registered the Falcor on PDGA. No. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. it's not yeah. PDGA approved. Is it? No, they they have a disc called the Falcor before yeah, Kale. Oh, Falcor, but 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 it says it's a K instead of a C. Franklin does because disc. I just didn't find it on Tri Disc. No, it was like wasn't it like the Albatross and? No, uh, there's a Falcor. That was the, original, those the, the original. The original ones were the Albatross and the the Owl, maybe Owl, maybe like. I think it's a Sparrow. Sparrow and That's Owl. Sparrow sounds right. Because yeah. the mid range and the driver were like identical, and they were like the flippiest disc ever, and they weren't even good. Like they're garbage, obviously. And I think they had a second edition, which isn't the one I'm talking about, which had uh, like base plastic drivers, like an actual driver, but it's still kind of weird. And then the newest one was like actually like good discs, I feel like. This one that is most new that I see Hydro from Franklin Sports. It was approved April of last year. So I know they All have I know a Falcor. The call the Falcor. Yeah, the Falcor is definitely a disc. Okay. From Franklin, not Prodigy. Well, what's funny yeah. is, well, it's not funny. We we need to chart. We need to send them the invoice I'm, after this. That I'm emailing free, free ad free ad placement. I mean, come on, we're all giving them the time of their life there. They they need our we need their money. They're gonna sponsor me. You're all right, here first. Yeah, they sponsor like professional baseball players. What you don't know, Gannon, is that. that now all Franklin sales are gonna go through the roof because you said that. Like you need to send the invoice now. Okay, I will. Wait, what if you're <laughs> that player you're talking about after the contract year? You're the Franklin <laughs> guy. Yeah. 
Dude, Franklin's just paying me like fifteen million a year to design discs. <laughs> yes, you do. Right, I'm gonna. I'll, I'm going to come in and say it because they have two sets on their website. They have one where it has the, the putter is the owl mid range sparrow driver albatross. Yeah. And yeah. they're apparently 167 and then 160 and 160. They have the next set. Oh, I opened the same link. It doesn't have any disc names at all. It's just Franklin. It just says, says 169 to 170 gram driver engineered for maximum distance in all caps. They're not lying. And 70 to 172 <laughs> mid dash range engineered for maximum stability and then a putter engineered for maximum i do accuracy. see some night owl and i'm here for it night no, owl no, no, no. sparrow albatross there you go those are the original ones those are from the original pack that was okay. terrible the, actually okay. the owl wasn't that bad the night owl wasn't that bad <laughs> we're still talking about franklin the sparrow and the albatross were terrible but um if you guys can see pictures of that new set the driver should be blue yeah pink and orange, orange. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just says driver, mid-dash range, and putter. Huh. So is the driver uh, making fun the of them for the mid-range. Uh, so it has no Fal- name. The Falcor was in the like the other pack. They, like, I think there's three packs. Okay. All right. Well, we've talked about Franklin enough. I, <laughs> I appreciate the banter. I mean, it was fun, and I'm looking it up on the website and everything. But we're like, Franklin, baby. <laughs> All right. There, we've, we've gone long enough. I, I, Isaac, I said, hey, come on for a short show. And here he is an hour later. <laughs> I, know. I didn't know you're bringing Dan. No, I didn't, I didn't know, know either. We didn't either. <laughs> I just, I just, I just like joined the chat, and then he was like, hey, Gannon, you want to join? I'm like, sure, why not? I've got yeah. nothing to do. I was like, Gannon, join. Let's go. And here we are. So, but you provided us a lot of great, uh, we're, we're trying to do better to our listening audience with like grabbing reels and doing all the cool, trendy stuff with them. But we've got full time jobs. It takes us a little longer. But like, we, you gave us some great real bites, Isaac, and uh, same to you, Gannon. We're going to make you famous if you're not already. Uh, but So follow us on social media. Um, we're glad that you guys joined us. Evan, you had a quick little pitch for something coming up. You want to share that? Oh, yeah. February 4th, we have uh, the Statmando uh, Charity Trivia Show. Uh, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Uh, tune in. Uh, have an thousands of dollars donated charity uh it's at least <laughs> it's at least over a thousand uh we'll see what the final number is uh but encouraging everyone else to donate what they can as well we'll have some contestants on guessing some trivia answers to earn points to donate to charity uh it's going to be a good time a lot of fun good trivia if you like trivia tune in if you like listening to people try to guess trivia tune in as well or if you like charity tune in <laughs> yeah both of you I see the hat on uh, Isaac, Double G Craft Jerky, and and Gannon. That was your big announcement this year, trying to fool that, everybody. That was, my, that was the huge announcement. Yeah. Arguably the biggest announcement of the season. So <laughs> it was fun. Uh, but I, I see you both are sponsored, right, by Double G Craft Jerky. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they will be one of the charities of choice at this event, and it will be streaming at the Nick and Matt Show YouTube oh. channel. It'll be yeah, here. that's the most important part right there. Yeah. So you can check Live it out. Live on this channel on a Saturday night, February 4th, 7 p.m. Eastern. And it will not look like the Nick and Matt show. That's the best part. We're actually investing a lot of work to make it new and improved specifically for a trivia game show. So, all right. Well, uh, we could talk about other brands and other companies and wild ideas like putting lotion on your hand before throwing a driver, make disc golf harder <laughs> that way. But I think we've gotten to the end. Um, thank you very much for your time, Isaac. Um, I will be thinking about you now the night before the all-star event, thinking how nervous you are. And I'll send you a text and say, you got this. 
And uh, well, thank you. And Gannon, it was exciting <laughs> watching your year, and now you're telling us that you're going to come out. Well, you you believe that you can come out in better situation. Oh, hopefully, hopefully. I know, but you said that. I'm going to clip that real earlier. Say Gannon is ready. Okay. Um, and you don't have school. I don't have school. No school. I'm so happy. Congrats on graduating somehow full, full before the skull. summer. I know. Well, I know. I I'm like the smartest person ever, so they let me go early. <laughs> Mm. Isaac, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, we appreciate it. Like in all seriousness, we are glad that you're friends. We're calling you friends of the Nick and Matt show. We have we have the right to do that and we can make it if we want it. So <laughs> but we do appreciate it. When you're back in town, maybe we'll hang out. You don't have to do an interview. We'll just kind of have pizza or something and we'll hang out. MVP open or something. All right, guys. Thanks for your time. I'm gonna let you go. Have a great evening. Peace out. Thank you. Yes. All right, intern Ben. What have we done? That was that was an awesome show. <laughs> you know why it yeah. was awesome? Ben's Ben's favorite disco forever. It was joined. awesome because Gannon Burr. Gannon Burr. <laughs> Dude, he's one. He, this he's guy one of my talks favorites. nonstop about Gannon like no, okay. all times of the day. Guys, he's like, oh yeah, but Gannon does this, and I'm like, cool, Ben. Thanks. No, that's not true. I can expose you because you know he was talking about the 30 seconds thing at Cogs. You were calling me Gannon Burr because I was taking forever. <laughs> yes, yeah, we were calling exactly. You so yeah. exposed back, we even though were. I don't talk about Gannon <laughs> yes. like that. I just his form is just oh, butter, man. and I try to emulate. All that's right. all. but. That's fun. That was unplanned. I hope you didn't feel slighted, Isaac. I'll hit you up later. <laughs> it was unplanned, and I felt like we had already gotten through about 20 minutes with Isaac, and yeah. I thought it would be fun to kind of like awesome. do this, like, surprise, your buddy's here, and it looked like it was chill. So, um, We went long. Hey, you want to know You want to know a fun fact that didn't get a chance to bring up, and that's okay. We, we had him on for long enough. Uh, Isaac Robinson won the 2022 Disc Golf Pro Tour Rookie of the Year. Gannon Burr won it the year before in 2021. And Luke Humphreys at some point, I think maybe before. Well, I don't know. I feel like it. Uh, I don't know. But isn't that crazy that uh, Isaac's talking about how he's, what, seven years older than Gannon or something like that? Yeah. When's the rookie year after him? So one of their <laughs> friend groups going to have to win it in 2023. Don't know who. What do you think about me having a new music box? I love it. Give us a little rappy, dude. And, and there's no oh. Nick on to to say he doesn't Nick approve. So Nick, Nick and Matt. we're going with it. Nick and Matt. Hey chat. It's Nick and Matt. Uh. This is a rap from into Ben. Yeah. I'm always gonna win against Evan in disc <laughs> golf. <laughs> now you gotta give us the hook. Oh yeah, yeah. never know what disc golf. It's a Nick and Matt show. Everybody come along. <laughs> See us on time. And bring your bros and gals. <laughs> Why are those? And bring all your pals. It's Nick and Matt show. <laughs> Why are the live chat? Why is the live chat like? It's Nick and Matt show. Why is the live chat like gone? All the live viewers <laughs> gone. <laughs> the show's crashed. It just said no connection. No. Matt, can I mention one more thing? Yes, you can too. Just, just my one this thing. This is the place to do it. Now just is the time. That First disc golf convention on the East Coast, Northeast Disc Golf Expo. I'm running it. Overthrow Disc Golf will be there uh, giving free form reviews. Robbie C. Disc Golf will be there um, giving free in the bag placements. Um, Jesse from Trash Panda will be there and a bunch of Dismania, MVP, Thought Space, um, Smuggler's Notch, C1 Disc, 978, sponsored by them and presented by Maple Hill. Northeast Disc Golf Expo. Check it out. Follow me. I'd love to see you all there.
That's all. When is it happening? Oh, March 18th. <laughs> Thanks, Evan. March 18th and 19th, 2023. Um, it, it's pretty soon. And, you know, there's a lot of vendors hitting me up even more. And so it's going to be packed. I just listed off like the most popular ones that you would know. So mm. all of them are popular in Boxborough, Massachusetts. Boxborough, Mass. At the Boxborough Regency. Thank you. And yeah, I'll be there. And I'll be. Uh, oh, Nick, I, well, I didn't I'm still, mention you in the creators. Never right. been mentioned there. ever. It's okay. Oh, and Statman will be there. Evan and, and Sta- Nick and Matt will have <laughs> a booth there. We hang out. It's kind of like um, Gannon and Isaac. They're like, they razz each other too. So I don't know. I'm still trying to think what I would do there. I mean, is the Nick and Matt show experience a thing? Like, I bring a green screen, I, no, make I it agree. look like you're in studio. Well, like, I you could sit Ooh. down and it would look like you're in studio kind of thing, and you could, we could, chat. or you could interview people or record, judge that disc golfer judge like that. constantly, just nonstop, nonstop. Get hundreds, hundreds content for years to come. Yeah, maybe you can yep. get some executives in there, actually. And you have overthrow disc golf there. Yep. So, like, I could go over and like video them, like, doing their form. And then we could be like, that's their form. Like, here's their question and answers. Now we judge them. Yeah, we could do it. Ooh. I agree. All right. Bring, bring something. This is, this is not our longest show, but it's, it's getting it up there a, in the top percentages. We're Fun. glad that everyone joined us. Um, and, man, we're just going to keep bringing We're going to keep bringing it. The off-season isn't really a thing anymore of our podcast. Like, we pretty much just went straight through a little bit around I Christmas. Know. We wow, off. good point. You just kind of just go, and you're like, mm-hmm. it's a grind because you don't have all the same content, so everything is like drama, drama. Like, someone said something. We need to talk about that tonight. And then you're hoping for drama on the course during the season because at least it's easier to talk about. Have, have any of all, y'all noticed, at least for me, like, since there's no live disc golf, I'm starting to scroll on YouTube even further now. <laughs> You're finding content like Ben Kenny's look, channel. Yeah, my, I just dropped a video, four thousand views on it. Make it over Maple Hill, Ooh. win money. Check it out. But um, twenty bucks to make it over the pond. The pond. The excitement was real. This, okay, but if you're looking for live, like live disc golf, there's plenty of coverage to watch. I mean, I just watched Gatekeeper a lot. Release, That's what I'm saying. South Florida Open. The disc golf guy did uh, Shelly Sharp just this weekend. Oh yeah, Shelly Sharp dropped. That's doing their. Their putting game. They got new things in the works. Like oh, I was going to ask Gannon about the putting so games much. on Jomez. I forgot to do that. There, there's just like so like you got stuff every single week. Simon I mean, Lazat's disc golf travel thing. I know it's only released like with Jomez Patreon right now, but it's going to be wait, coming out. Wait, Simon uses this mic, which is his my breath. mic. His... I dare you to lick that home. No. <laughs> Simon, <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> oh my! He uses his mic, and it's my microphone. I'm never washing this mic. Let's go! All right, that yeah, is. Pretty- I'll, I'm not I'll wash my it. mic when I'm done with it, though. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'll wash we, my mic. we do love you, Simon. <laughs> Why is it so I, weird? Like, I I know I know what you're trying to get with that, but it just it doesn't work. Like, <laughs> yo, know. actually, yo, yo, this is what's happening. I am auctioning this off. Simon Lazat's <laughs> terms are on this. Uh, it's, there's going to be an eBay bid. Uh, just let me know, and um, it'll it'll uh, it's highest bidder. It'll go to. There goes wow, all the of your microphone still of works right now. Simon. I'm learning new things down the drain. All right, we got to shut it down. This is getting crazy. This is supposed to be the after show that nobody knows about, but it's happening live. So let's shut it down. All right, so. Nick usually says, tell someone you love him. Hopefully, he's in town by now. Nick, if you're in the chat, you didn't say anything, but he was supposed to be arriving. It's a long snow day traveling, so hopefully he did. But he usually says, tell someone you love him. And so do that, and then uh, we're going to close it out.
Well, sorry. Ben, you're awesome. Thank you. Evan, you're awesome. Our our guests tonight, Paige, awesome. Isaac, Gannon, you're all awesome. Chat, live chat, drop some likes. We love you. Peace out, everybody. Boom. Boom. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.